The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. Hey, Giannis Papas. Joe. How you doing, my friend? Good. How you doing? Oh, we're doing good. Good. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, brother. Yeah. What's, what's crackalacking? Not much, man. Just, you know, trying to dodge this Delta. Yeah, or the Gamma or whatever or the, the Gamma, fuck. the whatever. Rays, yeah. yeah. The Delta, the It's alpha. wild out there. Yeah. It's wild out there. It's wild, yeah. It's hard to know what's what's right and what's wrong. Some people say, don't worry about it. The Delta, it's less dangerous but more contagious. And then some people say, no, 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 no. People are getting really sick. Yeah. Yeah, no, vaccinated I, people getting sick in, in Europe, in, not in Europe, uh, in Israel. There was a, a study that was released. It was something like you know they're they're like the most vaccinated country. Israel is apparently. I think they have somewhat close to. Here, I'll read it here. I think it's close to like ninety percent of the people been vaccinated, and so now they have uh, a lot of people that are in the hospital that are vaccinated. Yeah, because I guess the more people that get vaccinated, the more people will have those breakthrough. Um, Infections. What I love about now is like, I I have an 80%, opinion on 80%. 80% of all COVID patients were previously vaccinated in the hospital. Wow. I thought that yeah. was like uh, corrected to like 40%. Oh, straight. It's right there. If know. it's on the phone, it's got to be true. Must be. <laughs> it must be true at this point, yeah. Is, is it Fauci approved? If it's Fauci approved, stamp? yeah. I don't know. I mean, hey, if this thing comes back, uh, just be podcasting. Yeah, just lock down and have HEPA filters everywhere and- yeah. You know, I mean, like March of 2020, I remember thinking like this could be some Mad Max, like road warrior type shit where the streets are empty. And and then when they started looting, that was one of the things that really freaked me out. The looting in L.A. when no one was doing anything about it, when they're smashing windows, running into stores and stealing clothes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, who knows? That could come back. That could come back again. Round two. Oh, Just like sure. me coming back here. Ding, ding. It's round not, two. <laughs> it's not likely going to happen around here. There's yeah. far too many firearms. Yes. This is this is the good thing about overarmed places. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. They're not good places to loot. No. You know? I bet you there's a lot of people who are on the left who are rethinking the Second Amendment and their view on it just because of the context has changed. Yeah. My own friends. Yeah. Friends that were very anti-gun were asking me to borrow guns. Mm -hmm. When the shit started hitting the fan in L.A., mm. uh, they were asking to borrow guns. And I was like, you can't borrow a gun. Because yeah. if you shoot someone with the borrowed gun, I am in trouble. Right. Right. And especially in L.A. because there's weird laws. Like, I don't even think you're allowed to shoot someone in your home. Unless you're in danger, and then you have to prove that you're in danger. Yeah, then you I have think. To, you have to apologize for whatever yes. part of the systematic problem you contributed to why this person broke into your house. Oh, I didn't think. I think about you that. have to do that in court. Yeah, you got to stand up and say, you know what, I'm sorry. Depends on who you are, but you got to say, I'm sorry for contributing mm. to whatever historical factors have led to this crime. Maybe you could fly a couple of like inclusive flags outside your house. That's actually part of what you got to do. Yeah. Have you seen the new flag? There's a new pride flag. I got them all it's, out there. I got Black Lives <laughs> Matter. I have a rainbow flag. I got rainbow's it all. not enough anymore. It's like a new security system. I'm like whatever. <laughs> I'm just like, hey man, this property is whatever. Yeah, I'm whatever you want me to yeah. be. If you don't burn it, if you don't burn it, but then if they come in, I do got it. I did buy a gun. Did you? I got a gun. Yeah. What kind of gun did you get? It's a 22. I think I have For to real? say like that rifle. Yeah. You got a 22. Are you shooting squirrels? No, I'm not shooting squirrels. I'm just shooting. Uh, I've gone to the range a few times. Yeah, but why, why do you have such a low caliber rifle? I knew. I, that's why I felt bad even bringing it up in front of you. It's like taking my <laughs> dick out when it's limp. <laughs> right after you got out of the shower, cold shower. Yeah. Well, but why such a low caliber? Because I'm a beginner, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, if, like if I got in a, I'm not going to try to like rear naked choke you. If I got, if we started rolling around, I'm going to try to 
squeeze your dick or something. Honestly, the, I'm inexperienced. The best gun for self-defense for home invasion type shit is a shotgun because you don't have to be that specific. Mm-hmm. You know, shotguns, they, they have like a big wide spray. As Bill Burr says, it's got a spread. <laughs> that <laughs> joke, he, he, he had that joke where he goes, you got to get the shotguns, it has a spread. It spreads. <laughs> well, that's why they made it illegal to have a sawed-off shotgun. Yeah. Because a sawed-off shotgun, you essentially can spray a whole room. Right. You know, it spreads out. I picture like uh, probably your home, is your home like uh, 007 where there's just like a hidden gun in every room and you're just like, if someone comes in, you're rolling around. I have had just given to me, not the guns that I bought, but been given to me, 13 guns since I moved here. Wow. Yeah. You want to make that 14, it's an odd number, it's unlucky 13. I don't think it is. You like you think it's I like 13. Yeah. I've always been a fan of 13. Yeah. But it's crazy. It's like these people out here just give you guns. Yeah. That's yeah. like a that's like a, a, a welcome gift, yeah. right? So I have a safe. I have a couple of gun safes. It's just weird. It's just it's the gun thing is weird because, like, I like going to the range. I, I find it uh, it's somewhat oddly relaxing to like to point and shoot. You know, as long as you have earmuffs on, you're protecting your ears and eye goggles, and you know what you're doing. You're following gun safety protocol. It's I like it. I like practicing. It's I don't like want to yoga. shoot anybody. No, yeah. it's, no, it's definitely not like yoga. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's similar to archery in a lot of ways. It's well, similar the way to you archery. described it is like very calming. Yeah, it is calming though. There's something yeah. about because you're concentrating on focusing. You're like con- you're in the moment. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about anything. So it is kind of oddly spiritual. Yeah. yeah. Have you gone to gun ranges before? I have gone. Yeah. They're fun, right? They're fun, but you're right. When I rolled in, I rolled in with my buddy uh, Paul Verzi because we got the guns at the same time. It's a funny story. He bought Did he a get gun. a 22 as well. He got a 22. We got them together. And the guy <laughs> Did buying... you guys kiss huh? while you're buying them. No, but <laughs> <laughs> we clapped guns like that. <laughs> but the guy, we we went to Dick's and because um, like you know the pandemic was starting, much like you were seeing all these images on screen, and we live close to each other. And uh, he was like, let's go get a gun. And he didn't tell his wife. Oh, boy. So he went in, and uh, all the guns were cleared out. Like, and this is New York, so people were arming up. And uh, the things that were left were these rifles, and the guy behind the counter goes, this is a good starter gun. So he made us feel like a little, he's like, "This." I think he called it a beginner gun. And mm-hmm. then uh, we were both like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, give us something. We're not <laughs> beginners. <laughs> we try to play it off. Like, yeah, I shoot all the time, you know, I shot. <laughs> I shoot people. (laughs) (laughs) So we ended up, he's like, you know, because we felt like we were buying BB guns when he said that. Right. But uh, yeah, then uh, he walked us upstairs. In New York, you can't have the gun and the ammo in the trunk together. You have to have the ammo in the car and the gun in the back. So he walked us up and put them in his trunk. Yeah. And then we drove him home and he told his wife uh, he bought a gun. His wife was pretty pissed. Was she? Yeah, because he didn't tell her. It's a pretty big purchase. You got to like... It's not like Texas where you're born and like, you know, they cut right. the umbilical cord and then they put your hand in a gun. <laughs> Does the, is the wife opposed to it or did she just want to be informed? She wanted to be informed. She That's wanted to be part of it. That's reasonable. Yeah. That's reasonable. Mm-hmm. If she ever saw a 22 go off, she'd be like, oh, yeah, shoot me in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go ahead, t- shoot me with that thing. <laughs> I didn't tell my wife either. I told her I was going out to get watermelons because we were having like a party. <laughs> so I came back just holding a watermelon and a gun. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I got a gun. But my wife's from Long Island, so she was, her and oh, her family different. were very happy that I got a gun. Yeah. That's different. Yeah. Long Island's a different animal. Long Island's, yeah. Long Island's like a colony of- uh, Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
You go there. It's just a different accent, but they yeah. say the same. They're like, I what, virus? What, are you crazy? I really love Long Island. I've always loved performing out there. But it's always been a thing. Like, when I lived in the city, um, I didn't live in the city. I lived in New Rochelle. But when I would travel, like, what if I do gigs in the city? Is that your watch going yeah, off? How I'm dare you? fucking sorry, when I was uh, When I was living in New York and I would do gigs in Long Island, people that, like, worked in the city all the time would treat gigs on Long Island like, you might as well be going to Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you do? You're traveling to Long Island to do comedy? You can do comedy right here. Yeah. Like, why would you do that when you can work in the city? Yeah. It's just a different, it's a different demographic, different politics, yeah. different person. They don't leave there. So it's kind of like going to another country yeah. because they're unaware of what's going on in the city. They right. don't go to the city. If they come in, they go to Peter Luger's. They go to Peter Luger's. Yeah, right. Or, or they go to like Bay, they go out in Brooklyn, and that's like going yeah. out in the city. Yeah, we're going to the city. We're yeah. going to go to Brooklyn. We're going to Have Bay Ridge. Steaks. Yeah, we're going out there, Bay Ridge. You know, yeah. it's a nice place there. Yeah. 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 Brooklyn's an odd duck too. When when we do uh, UFCs in Brooklyn, I'm always like, wow, this is like, there's no place like this place. That's where I'm so from. So interesting. Yeah. It's, it's like well, pre-pandemic. I don't know what it's like now because uh, I had um, Hamilton Morris on. He's um, from Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. He's a drug expert. He's a very fascinating guy, but he was telling me it's very dark. He's like, I go running, and he goes, and there's like dog shit everywhere because no one's picking up their dog shit and stacks of garbage, and like all the, the public utilities have kind of laxed, so a lot of the garbage pickup is not as good as it used to be, and, and he goes, and it's kind of dangerous. It's like, it's not what it used to be just I, a year and a half ago. I was just telling Jamie before, it's like, uh, it's starting to feel like the Brooklyn that I grew up in. You're starting to hear crimes that are similar to the ones from the 80s, which were just like wilding kids. I remember there was just like wilding kids. I remember that, yeah. the term wilding. They used to call them wilding kids, like feral kids, wilding kids, and it was true. There'd be just like a pack of kids. You'd turn a corner, there was kids there, you were just like, you just took your hat off and gave it to them. You, know? <laughs> you just took your Nautica jacket off and you like folded it up for them like you were gift wrapping at Macy's and just handed it. And uh, it just, you were robbed and there was just packs of kids and recently this, this uh, off-duty firefighter was like attacked by like forty kids who were just like. Is that the guy with the dog? He was with the dog. Yeah. That was in a park. Yeah. Yeah. Queens. What was the story behind that? The story was just wilding kids. They would just really? did it to uh, to be wilding. Yeah. I wow. think they screamed the, the slogans they were saying were kind of like that. It's fight night. It's just like. And they beat the fuck out of that poor guy. Beat the fuck out of kid and just cops are like. I I have a cop who lives close to me where I live and he's like. He was on the plain clothes unit that they kind of disbanded, which was stupid, and now he's like doing something else. And uh, you know, he he's he's like, look, cops, their morale is down. They don't want to. They yeah. don't want to do. It. Everyone hates them. They don't want to risk it. Somebody starts running, they're like, I'm not gonna chase this guy, wow. because like you know, he turns around, he throws a camera on, or see, he reaches for something. You know, it's right. just they don't want to deal with it, and they feel like everyone hates them right now. So it's like, that's scary. Like if you call nine one one and they just like take their time because they're not yeah they feel like am I am I gonna be am I gonna be received when I'm or am I right. gonna, is there gonna be someone going hey what you doing right. what you doing yeah, yeah you know yeah their morale's down yeah there's a lot of that going on and I don't know how that gets fixed in any short period of time I think that's a long term recovery project if at all like it's real weird because I've ne I've never seen such a dip in our society before as during this pandemic and some of it's understandable but some of it is like it's a, a perception the the perception of the police the perception of society at large it's just very different than it's ever been before I, I think it has a lot to do with us adapting to the internet like 
and technology. It's fairly new, and everyone's getting their information from charismatic people who want to be on camera. Whereas, mm-hmm. like the really smart, nuanced people, like those old school mob bosses who were, you know, they, you know, you get caught if you're flaunting yourself, John Gotti right. style. But like, you know, the the people who were behind the scenes, like doctors, politicians, like those are the people who were in it, doing it, and. You know, we used to have Walter Cronkites and Edward R. Murrows, and now we got guys just going up there on internet, like with their phone, and making these categorical, uh, like charismatic statements. And people that are really like kind of uh, they're simplified mm-hmm. and uh, just just really like generalized, and people are just following them. And now we've become like two full countries that hate each other. It used to be like you know, you at a time of war or something, you kind of. You came together a little bit to support whoever the guy is in office. Now it's like there's people who wouldn't support Biden at all, no matter what. I mean, even if like China was storming Malibu and like, you know, set up their captain's quarters in Reese Witherspoon's like beach home, we'd yeah. still be like hating each other. And like we're so dis disjointed and disunified. It's And I think it's because we're online. I think that's a big part of it. And I also think what you're saying about uh, people being charismatic is very true. That these charismatic, influential people that are getting attention from posting outrageous things online, constantly uh, posting things about either the left or the right, like how pathetic they are and how foolish they are and how arrogant they are and, and just making these really polarized teams. And I don't, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I know you don't subscribe to that kind of shit. It's dumb. It's like there's there's great people on both sides. There's there's people that have a lot of opinions that I don't agree with at all, but then I agree with them on many things. And I like to just treat people like people and think of their ideas as individuals or individual ideas. I don't want a collective group of ideas that I have to subscribe to. Right. I mean, I think that's a real problem with people, whether you're on the left or the right. You know, you could predict, like if you can ask someone real specific questions, like how do you feel about gun control? How do you feel about the Second Amendment? Do you think it's important? Their answer can tell you how they feel about abortion, how they feel about immigration, how they feel about whether the election was valid. They, it's just go down the line with one question. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah, and it's sad. It's yeah. sad because you should, like you said, I mean, it's like uh, the Second Amendment is totally different from abortion, totally different yeah. from gay marriage. And like, it's sad that you can ask one question, you can predict and with probably great deal of accuracy what those people are going to say based on that one answer because they've they've drawn their lines and they're towing this line now and people are so far apart. And then you're right, when you speak to them in person and have a long conversation with them, you find out even though they may lean on this side or lean on that side, most people are pretty reasonable. You know, they care about their family, they care about their money. You know, and politics used to be about that. Hey, it, it's 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 the money, stupid, or whatever that expression was. Like, it's the economy, stupid. Because like, yeah. whether you were on the right or the left, at the end of the day, you're about yourself. Yeah, I think one big point about what you're saying about these influential people too is they they benefit from strife. They benefit from conflict. And so instead of uniters like Martin Luther King Jr., you have the opposite. You have people that literally benefit from people being divided. They benefit from calling people out or yelling people down or, you know, getting getting conflict going. Like, that that gets them more views. I mean, that's what's going on with Facebook. That's what the, the algorithms that people are complaining about that, that are literally accelerating our path towards some sort of civil war. Yeah. Did you see The Social Dilemma? 
I did see the social dilemma. Scary shit, Scary right? Scary shit. And I tell you what I was watching actually on the plane was this, uh, do you remember the Duke lacrosse players? Yes. Do you remember that story? Yes. Tell, exp- explain oh, to people. dude, the Duke lacrosse players. So <laughs> the whole media uh, had kind of indicted these guys. And they loaded this story with, you know, class and race. Explain and the story to people. It was a bunch of lacrosse players. They had a party, right? A bunch of guys had a party at their house. Yeah, they're uppity white guys. They play lacrosse. So right. it's like nobody comes from the ghetto and plays lacrosse. <laughs> so you know that they're arrogant white guys who probably, you know, their father may have like a third. They definitely have a portrait in the foyer of like, <laughs> this is my uncle. His ties go back to England or whatever. Right. So they're douches. We get it. But... um they had a party and somebody uh, hired some strippers. And the strippers that came were like two um, POCs. They were POCs. I'm trying, you know, POC. And uh, one of them was- A lot was, of people listening are like, oh. POCs are people who um, historically disenfranchised a little darker melanin tones. People of color. People of color. People yes. of color. Yes. Um, and so they came, they stripped, but the girl, they only stripped for like five minutes and the girl was saying weird stuff. And um, then they got mad. The guys got mad because they felt like they were getting uh, conned, that they didn't get their their lap dance worth or whatever, their dancing worth. And then something went awry. And then the girl called the cops and said, I was assaulted. And then from there, it became a big story. And it ended up that the prosecutor was withholding um, exculpatory evidence that would have exonerated knowingly. I mean, he ended up getting disbarred and doing time because of this. And uh, and you look back now and you're going like, that guy was doing exactly what online personalities do now. Yes. It's like, this is good for me. Right. I'm in the spotlight. I'm this hero convicting these douchebags. There's The media's attaching this big social justice cause to it. There's, there's this evidence that clearly my client is lying. Let's just put this to the side because all the attention's on me and this is self-aggrandizing for me. So I'm benefit forming. I'll just lie and just, you know, there's some evidence that comes that, uh, you know, contradicts what I'm saying. Let's just, because mm. right now I'm a star. And uh, so these kids were maligned by the media, all these uh, journalists writing this horrible stuff about these kids, the culture of the lacrosse players, the the privilege, the white privilege, this, that. They did this to this poor black person, you know, and, th- and then it was loaded because of Durham, because you got Duke, and Duke is like the Harvard of the South, and then you got poor Durham, and then it was all bullshit. It was all bullshit. The DNA exonerated the three kids that were on trial, and... Um, it ended up this this girl was like had some mental health problems. She ended up like killing her boyfriend or something, <laughs> and is in prison. Like a couple years later, <sighs> she was like off, you know. And um, some a few journalists apologized, but by that time it was like you know now you go to comedy clubs. The joke that comics tell the most if they see a like five like waspy looking white guys, they're like, ah, hey, you guys look like the Duke lacrosse play. Like mm, that you use right. it as a pejorative. So right. it doesn't matter if it's true because the media made it true. So right. pe- a lot of people don't even know that they did nothing because the narrative had already been written. Right. That's yeah. the problem. That's the, the problem. The problem is once the narrative gets out there, any any if there's some sort of a correction in the newspaper a couple of weeks later, it's always on like the fourth page. <laughs> yeah. In the lower right-hand corner, sorry, we have the amendment to the story. Yeah. Turns out nobody raped anybody. Whoops. Yeah, sorry. The sorry whole... we ruined your life forever. Yeah, but we sold a lot of papers with that, so. <laughs> yeah, that, that is an, a real issue. The, a re, here's a real question. Should you be able to make money off the news? It's a good question, man. It's a good question because 
if you can make money off the news, then all of a sudden the news becomes a show. And the more outrageous you can get it, the more clickbaity you can get it, the more you can sort of jazz up the headlines and distort the story, the more you're going to get people to tune in. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. Let's go. I remember when I was working for Fusion, which was like a short-lived uh, company under, that was owned by Disney and um, Univision. It lasted like a year. It was totally like they tried to build a big studio in Miami and... They were trying to target millennials, but by that time, like everything was on the phone, people were watching you, and it was like, it was just a waste of money. But I remember one of their slogans was like, start a fight. And I was like, ah, really? yeah. Because my, my two co-hosts were journalists, and it was run by journalists, and I was like the comedic guy that, you know, they, oh, they had me in a corner, and they opened it up, and I came in, I was like, woo ha to make people laugh, but. <laughs> <laughs> but I was working with like a Peabody award-winning journalist, uh, you know, Mario, uh, Mariana Atencio and Pedro uh, Andrade, uh, Andrade, he's, uh, they, he was um, from Brazil, and they were two serious journalists. And, uh, you know, the, the, when they, the executive producer sat it down, it's like, pick a fight. Always look to pick a fight. And I'm like, wow. that sucks. That sucks. <gasps> yeah, that should be happening in MMA with the matchmakers, not your news. Yeah, that's hard to hear. Yeah. Pick a fight. Pick a fight. Because it gets ratings. People love the drama. They love it. I mean, if you turned on a real reality TV show, it would just be like a couple guys sitting around, you know? Yeah. Picking their nose, changing channels. But then if you make a reality, you're like, they tell you. They have, that's, yeah. not, that's not reality. They have no. line producers going, okay, call him the N-word now. <laughs> like, I don't want to call him the N-word. Like, no, trust me. We'll figure out, you know, it'll, and then we'll bleep it out. No one will we'll know what you said. Out. Yeah, then they let you. They then they start with the N and lead with the R. <laughs> you're like, hey, I bet you Puck was a really good guy. I bet you they just edited it. You remember Puck from Real World? He was sticking oh, his finger yeah, in peanut butter. That's right. He was bullying no, Pedro. No, he was a mess. But the problem with those guys is that you make them more of a mess by shining the camera on them. And then you make him famous. Didn't he like lose his marbles after he got off that show? Because he was like one of the most famous guys from the real world, yeah. other than Theo Vaughn. Yeah. Or was he on Road Rules? Uh, no. Was, Theo Who? was on Road Rules, right? No, Theo was Theo was in one of the houses. He was in the real world? He was, no, yeah. No, well, yeah. He, he was on Road Rules, and then he was in The Challenge, which sort of is like the living experience at the house. But, oh, so it's yeah, two he different. Both. He was on multiple shows. for Theo them. Vaughn. Yeah. He's the only dude probably to make it out of there. 100% yeah. and be legit. Be legit. Yeah. I mean, he's a fucking legit comic. He's a funny he's dude. He's funny. Yeah. He's fucking funny. That, he's, that dude kills me. And he's funny solo, which yeah. is which is uh, not easy to do. Oh, dude. He's funny, period. Yeah. He's a funny fucking comic and so original. Like, who's who's more unique than Theo Vaughn? Like, his style? It's like comedy is, jazz. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like you're almost listening for the funny and the rhythm of it. You're and like, it's also, it's got like a, an element of gonzo to it, too. Sort of like Joey Diaz. Like, you know he's lying about some of these things, but you don't care. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? It's like it's part of the fun. Like, a, Joey, a great Joey Diaz story, who knows what percentage of it is, is exaggeration or absolute falsehoods. Right. But you don't care. Right. You're there for the ride. Right. And that's with Theo. Right. My, my uncle got bit by a gay guy. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he says that, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> we'll see. <Yeah. laughs> He's so funny, man. Lying belongs with entertainers. Yes. But unfortunately now, like you said, these journalists have become entertainers. They got their own brand. They got their own yeah. Twitter feed. They have their own gram. Well, it makes them famous and it makes them wealthy. Well, there's a, I think there's a, um, a shining light to that. There's like a, there's, there's a, there's a way out of this. And I think it's Substack. 
a lot of these like legitimate journalists are no longer with these papers that are interested in doing that and they're gravitating towards Substack and they have people pay for actual journalism. Yeah. And so there's like there's there's a new wave of legit journalists on Substack that are just people subscribe to it and they can choose to subscribe or not subscribe. You pay or you don't pay. You know, it's like it's your choice. But in doing so, these people have cultivated a group of people that are actually looking for real journalism. Yeah. It's interesting. It is. I think uh that was the problem is the media probably just didn't adapt to the digital age. Yeah. They step they kept making papers and then they started giving the articles away for free. Yep. And then in order to get clicks, you had to make the the uh headlines into like car crashes to get yeah. people's attention. But you, have to. you know, like from doing comedy, it's the same thing when you do comedy, when you're doing like an open mic or a free show, the audience doesn't respect it. It's they true. come in, they you do those college shows, they they yawn, they come in in flip flops. They suck their teeth at you, you know. They don't care. They didn't pay. They didn't. They, you're, you're you're not invested. You're not invested in it, and you're you're attracting an audience that is apathetic. They're not yeah. there for the show. But it, yeah, if you if you pay for the journalism, you can take that money away. If it's not good, you go, you know, take it away. Yeah, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? About those free shows, paper shows. Yeah, the, they're the audience. The way they feel is so different. Yeah, shorter attention span. Not really that interested. Just not invested in the show. Yeah. You, just, you don't respect something if you don't pay for it. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, that's yeah, true. It's true. But, um, you know, that's a good, that's a, it's like Patreon. Like, comedy doesn't happen on television anymore. That's right. not comedy. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it's wild. But comedy is happening on podcasts, on the internet, and Patreon is like the purest, it's probably the purest system, the, the subscriber model, that comedians and entertainers have ever had. It's this same that model that Netflix has, same model that HBO has, and it proves that that model probably is better than the other models because HBO for a while has been making more money than all the networks combined yeah. because of their dumb pilot system where they'd make those pilots and spend all that money and then jettison those shows that didn't work. Whereas HBO, it's like, hey, we make the shows that we want to make, you pay the money, and you know, if you don't like it, you leave. If you like it, and that's why they were free to be uncensored and push the envelope. And yeah. now that's happening online with Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Yanni Longdays. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a there's a new era in in that respect. But they, but Patreon will delete you. That's the problem. They they can decide that you're problematic, and they've right. done that with people before, right? Right. <clears throat> they've done that with people. You know, where it was very arguable whether or not what they did was bad or not. That's the you, issue. You need something where the people get to decide and not a corporation. You're not going through a filter like Patreon. Right. So how do you do that? I think I think Sam Harris doesn't use Patreon. I think he does it straight through his website. I think his donations. He's an interesting cat, man. And, and the way he does his podcast, you it's he does a subscriber-based podcast, but he doesn't ever want anyone to not get the content if they can't afford it. So all you have to do is send an email to him saying that you can't afford it and he'll give you a free subscription and 100% of all those requests are accepted. Wow. Yeah. But he still does well. Yeah. It's still doing really well. Because people want to give. Yeah, because it's yeah. really good. His, yeah. his insight is fantastic. He's a really brilliant guy. But the way he's doing it is all through his, first of all, there's not a corporation in the world that would do that. Would say, if you can't afford it, send an email, we'll give it to you for free. Right, right. But he does it. Right. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So it's an, he's got a weird uh, business model, but it works for him. And, and I'm pretty sure he does it all through his website. Radiohead doesn't get enough credit, uh, credit, 
Quedit. Quedit. Waskly Wabbit. They don't get enough credit for being like the first. Remember when they did that on their website? They 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 just said we're giving you this album for donation. Give what you want, and they made like a ton of money. What was that? When did they do that? It was, remember that? In, in Rainbows is like 2005. Pay pay what you want release is what they called it. The first major act to do it. Who was it? What, what? Radiohead. Radiohead did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <clears throat> and they that's made right. a ton. And like at that point, that was like the coup de gras. I thought you were saying radio did that. I was like, what? Yeah. Radio? <laughs> like Radiohead. That's right. Radio did that. Yeah. And well, Louis C.K. did that too, he didn't did. he? He did it. Didn't he do something very similar like that when he, he released did. his comedy special? He did. He did. Well, he did it for five bucks on his website. But Radiohead was like the first major act of any genre any art form to do it and they it wasn't just a set price it was like pay what you want and people ended up because they love radiohead so much they end up paying giving a lot of money much like the sam harris model you were just saying like hey if you can't yeah. afford it we'll give it to you but people want to pay i think adam curry has a similar situation right he allows you could pay whatever you want isn't it i think adams is free is it free or is it you could pay whatever you want i think you could pay whatever you want and some people pay a dollar, and some people, he's like, some people pay you a lot of money. Yeah. They just say, this is a great show. I want to support it. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, there's some purity to that, you know? Big time. There really is. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a nice business model where you have like a real, like Adam in particular has a real relationship with his fans. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like they're, it's, they're, it works out. Yeah. Like everybody agrees. You know, and he's he does not waver, mm -hmm. and he does not censor himself. He's he's always telling you fucking the straight dope, no matter what or how uncomfortable or how weird the conversation is. Yeah, yeah, and that it, that, that model's pure, straight yeah. to the fans. No middleman, no uh, corporate, uh, you know, ethics office or whatever. And people crave that. People want that, and that, that's why the uh, the success of that model is is the success that it is because people want it. Yeah, and, and you know. Well, they realize the opposite is dangerous. When you have corporate censored information and you're not getting the full unbiased story, you're getting a filtered down story that has been decided upon by a bunch of executives. They say, "Well, we're going to leave the." And, you know, much like we were talking about with the prosecuting attorney, it was going to leave out some information that would make us look bad or make the story look bad, and let's let's steer it in a certain direction. Right. We're not going to lie, but we're going to eliminate some stuff that would throw into question. Whether or not our story is is accurate, right? And people see through it now. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of the reason is podcasts like yours, where you're like, "Hey, I'll let a guy talk for four hours." You know, you could tune in when you want, tune in for as long as you want. It's on you, but I'm gonna let him talk. And um, there's, I'm not beholden to, yeah. you know, some peacock logo or, you know, you you're beholden to probably a few, <laughs> you know, few few vitamins and a few weights. <laughs> But they never give Which me advice. Which are good for you. They are good for you. <laughs> they never give me advice, though. Yeah. Never get advice from the vitamin companies. <laughs> no. No. Should I get the on it? Uh, I'll get it for you. you. What do you want? Off, that, that, when you, jerk off stuff? No, what are you, you jerk, that, that jerk up motion. Kettlebells? Is that what you're saying? Kettlebells. You can tell I don't really work out. <laughs> the jerk up motion yeah, thing. Yeah, I'll give you one to take back with you. All right, as long are as you, it's got a gorilla face on it. I got, uh, what size, well, how, many, how many pounds do you want? Can we start? Can we start with the beginner gun? Yeah. Yeah. I'll send. Five I'll have pounds? some sent to you. Thank you. Have you ever used kettlebells before? No. no? We have some here. We right. have some in the back. I won't get a hernia from pulling it up? No. 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 The, the key is like, you can get a really good workout with 35-pound kettlebell. Right. A really good full-body workout. There's a great video called uh, Extreme Kettlebell Cardio Workout. It's um, 
uh, Keith Weber, and he's a guy who's been on the podcast before. He's uh, I have no affiliation with him other than he's great. He's just a great guy. And his uh, video, you use one 35-pound kettlebell, and it'll fucking crush you. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, you're doing like, this is easy. I can fucking do this all day long. Yeah. 30 seconds later, you're like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Right. This is gonna be, and then four minutes later, you're like, fuck. The next day, you barely walk. It's incredible. Because you're using your whole body, right? Using like, your you whole body. Like, and yeah. it's it's a cardio workout. Yeah. You know, but it is, it's a strength-producing workout, too. And it, the thing about things like kettlebells are they strengthen everything. It strengthens your stabilizing muscles, your balance, all your joints. It all, all that stuff all works together because it's all working together as one unit. You're not just bench pressing or right. curling. You're doing something where the whole body is involved in the exercise. They could clip that and make that the commercial right there. I love them. Yeah. I love them. It's my primary means of working out. If you could tell me I could only have two pieces of equipment, I would say I want a 50-pound kettlebell and a chin-up bar. That's all I want. I'll be good with that. And an ice bath, baby. And an ice bath. Yeah, you've been doing yeah. good with that. Up to 20. You did 20 minutes? Yeah, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. I had a headache all day yesterday. The day before I did it. Yeah. When did, when did I do it? I didn't do it yesterday, right? No. I did it the day before. I did it Monday. All day Tuesday, I had a headache, and I was yeah. like, "Damn, what if I die?" Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, when people were sending me things about hypothermia, yeah, and you get hypothermia in that temperature after like fifteen minutes. Yeah, dude, I could have told you it probably wasn't safe just because your nips. Your nips yeah. were going like, "Take Bing. me out of here." Yeah, they went like that immediately. Though yeah. I have very sensitive nipples. <laughs> They're very excitable. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I your just nipples wanted look to see like those how rock far. climbing things so you're... <laughs> <laughs> when you're in wrestling class. Just pull up on them. Yeah, they were cold. Yeah, it's it's fucking cold. It's a ridiculous thing. I just wanted to see how far I could push it. Twenty minutes is impressive. It's stupid. Yeah. It's not. It's stupid. Yeah, it's not one. Well, yeah. I mean, you do that though. I was thinking of going longer. I was I gonna know. go to twenty-five. Wow. But I was gonna go stop. Yeah. Just stop. Just yeah. stay. Just stay safe. Stay alive. I remember last time when I did that show with you at the Vulcan down here, um, and you just climbed up the side of the building. Oh, Remember you yeah. saw the ladder and you're like, this ladder is dangerous. Dad. Someone could just climb right up here. And then you're like, let me check it out. You just jumped up and climbed it. <laughs> I was like, that's not safe. Nope. No, that wasn't safe. Yeah, but I would be fine. I would have just, it, I would have been fine. There was a truck there. I would have fallen on the truck. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you, you, you had it thought, I thought out. It yeah, thought it <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was a mattress on the truck, though. D that. Yeah. It's not that right. far. Yeah. But you did. You climbed up the building in like seconds. Like it was like you were doing like a obstacle. It almost felt like I was on American Ninja Warrior or something. Well, it wasn't that hard. It's just a ladder. It's very difficult, I think, to jump up <laughs> and do that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think me or Jamie could have done that. I, I can't do Jamie one could pull do up. It. Jamie no, could do it. I don't it. think so, dude. He scaled it like he he scaled. He was doing parkour. It looked no, like parkour. We watch a lot of parkour on this show. That was definitely not parkour. That was well, like fifty-three-year-old guy who could do some chin-ups. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. It was, it was still pretty impressive and dangerous. Yeah, it's definitely dangerous a little bit, but you got to got to have a little danger in your life. You can't be just playing it safe all the time. Yeah. It's not healthy. Yeah. It's just not wise. Yeah, but I have, yeah, I'm a guy with anxiety, so I... You know what the best way to get over anxiety? Do dangerous shit. I thought you were going to say zinc. <laughs> <laughs> Magnesium. <laughs> On it. Magnesium. What's the best way? Uh, I think doing difficult things, challenging yourself, making yourself more resilient, mentally resilient. That's just my, my thoughts on it. Uh, CBD is good for anxiety, too. That's, uh, that's proven. Some, some people think that anxiety is uh, connected to a lack of rigorous exercise. Some people think it's connected to inflammation. 
Some people, there's, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts on that. And I think the problem with anybody giving anyone a diagnosis is each human being has an individual level of anxiety that's impossible to determine. Like, I could weigh you, and I know how much you weigh. I can't weigh your anxiety. Right. You know what I mean? It's like you say, hey, doctor, I'm, I'm fucking anxious. I have all this anxiety. I'm freaking out. Doctor doesn't know what that means. Like, is is your anxiety legitimate? Like, right. maybe someone's trying to kill you. Right. You know, maybe uh, maybe you should be anxious, right. or maybe you're just fucking really chemically imbalanced. Right. Maybe you could alleviate that with exercise, or maybe you can't. Maybe you need medication. So no one really knows you other than you. Right. Right. I guess the only thing they they start to get a sense of your level of anxiety if you start saying like the Mossad's out to get me. Right. Yeah. If you start saying I'm Queen Elizabeth reincarnated. Yeah, I come from alien DNA. Yeah, they yeah, visit me regularly. Like yeah. Imagine if you did. Imagine if the, you really were an alien hybrid and nobody wanted to listen and you're like, I'm telling you guys. Yeah. That would be hilarious. That would be something that the aliens would do just for entertainment. Well, it would be really hard to convince someone of anything extraordinary. Really hard to convince someone that, any, that you're you're involved in anything that's really, really off the deep end crazy. Right. It's very it's much easier to convince people of stupid stuff. Oh yeah. People love that. If you have a little charisma, like charisma goes a long way, dude. It's like that uh, Quentin Tarantino from that movie, he's like personality goes a long way. Like you look at every despot in history, not one of them was a bore. Right. You can't get a lot of They have a lot in common with stand-up comics. They get up there, control the crowd, bullshit, lie, like well, we do. How about Hitler? Hitler was he crushed. He would crush. I would watch those videos. I don't even speak German, but you get goosebumps and you're just you find yourself you you you, you just like whatever he's saying. I'm on I'm on board. Well, the thing about he Hitler, means it. He does mean it, and he's enhanced. He's on cocaine. He's on testosterone. He's on meth. He's on a, a gang of different things. Panzer chocolate. I think they called it right. Uh, Is that what they called it? Well, it was like uh, chocolate. It was in meth and chocolate. And they called it Panzer Chocolat because they would give it to the guys in the Panzer tanks. Oh. And so they were, those dudes were just, yeah, they, they were lit. They, they were lit. They were lit. I don't think you can go to war without being lit, right? Well, it's probably not wise. Right. Like, why would you want to be, if, if you're definitely going to go to war, wouldn't you want to be on meth? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if 100%, the only thing I would think is like maybe you would make decisions that wouldn't be intelligent. Right. You wouldn't make wise choices. You would just be a berserker. Right. You'd be like, you think you see Bugs Bunny and you'd just be shooting. Yeah, you'd be tripping. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but there was a time when Hitler went to visit Mussolini because Mussolini was thinking of pulling Italy out of the war. And Hitler apparently, he was exhausted before this. Do you remember, do we, did we ever resolve who told us that story? Someone told us the story and then we researched it. We, uh, we found the time, yeah, I found, I remember I did, I found the article where it said it. Right. Yeah. You no, know that, but who told us about it? You remember I don't, who told I, us about it? I don't it? remember if it, I found the podcast when we found out about it was with Brian Moses, but I don't know if he's the one who told us about it. I don't think so. I think we were talking about it to Moses, but I think someone else had told, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe real, Moses. Uh, before we get too far, the Ponzer chocolate thing might not be real. Really? I just said this, the, the company... That made it, I guess, it's a fake image of supposed Ponzer chocolate in combination with their trademark. It might have been just with this company's lettering, but they said mm. it was not real. So they would put, well, uh, so they, uh, allegedly though, they would put meth in chocolate, right? Yeah, there was yeah. something else I just found that had a different name, but then I found what you said. Yeah. So it might just, it might just be what you were saying that that word might not be real, but they did uh, put some some drug in chocolate. Ponzer chocolate. 
Yeah, it says, however, this Panzer Chocolade never existed. Zotter distances itself with all clarity from this brand and reputation, damaging misrepresentation, which establishes a non-existing connection between our company, founded in 1999. Oh, that's that's different. And the Nazi regime. This is like, I guess, a company that's saying like, hey. I know that's what I was trying to say, right? The the actual chocolate drug probably Mm -hmm. did exist. But the thing with they didn't call it Ponzer Chocolate. Mm-hmm. Just oh, well, yeah, it's the company Zotter. So yeah, yeah. Saying, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Zotter saying has been refuting it because they're the company that started in 1999. But a lot of fucking companies started during Nazi Germany, right? BMW, Audi, Audi. Did you ever see Hitler's race car? Hitler uh, had an Audi race car. Pretty fucking dope. Really? It looked like a cigar. Yeah. Like an old school, like a cigar with like wheels poking out the side. Right. You ever see it? I don't think I have. Yeah. I think it was. Uh, I think it was it either went for auction or something happened a few years back where uh it's a pretty dope looking car. You got to think like for 1940, like if you saw that thing in 1940, it would be the shit. Right. You know? Well, you think the Fuhrer would have the he'd have the top model. Be weird it's, if he rolled around a Volkswagen. It's the same car with a Mercedes logo and an Audi logo. Oh yeah. Unless someone's photoshopping stuff. I mean, that's a that is a lit mobile right there. So it says 12 million but has an Audi logo. Yeah. Wow, look how yeah. pretty it is. Germans can make cars, man. Oh, fuck yeah, they yeah. can. Look at that thing. That's so pretty. It is. And that's uh from what year is that? Hitler's racing car. So is there a good side profile of it, Jamie? So there's one, wow, look at that thing. Yeah. Rare Nazi-era race car on display. Look how fucking pretty that is. That is nice. If you're driving down the 405 with that bad boy. Yeah. Look at that right there. Wow. The most expensive car ever. Hitler's Auto Union on the auction blog. And that's got the Audi logo on it. So that was his, wow. was that his particular, like if you sniffed the seat, you're sniffing where <laughs> his ass was? That's very that's different. That's a little looking. different, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. I think he just sponsored... You know, he sponsored race cars. You know, they they sponsored athletes for the Olympics. They sponsored all that shit. You ever yeah. see that uh, photo of him in the um, in the stands at the uh, Olympics? Oh yeah, he's, tri- where he's like tripping balls. There's yeah. video of it. Yeah. Tripping balls, he looks like, like an Orthodox Jew at the Wailing just Wall, just tweaking. Kind of, yeah, tweaking hard. Um, that girl, that amazing gymnast who everybody's shitting on, Simone Biles. Yeah, because she just bailed on the Olympics. She's yeah. like, I can't take it anymore. I was just reading that she regularly takes um, uh, ADHD medication. And they said that she can no longer take it because in Japan, you can't take this stuff. She takes Ritalin. Find out if this is true. Because if that is the case, they said that during the last Olympics, uh, I guess 2016, she took this stuff and she won a bunch of gold medals. Yeah. And now, because... She's regularly on this. Right. This is her medication. And so they're saying she can't because... Japan. Japan. Japan, is. it's illegal to take, uh, whether it's Adderall or Ritalin. I think it's illegal to take those in Japan. This so is what I was reading weird. today. How cultures have their different... Yeah. I mean, you could like buy panties in a vending machine, but you can't take Ritalin? Well, I think they're very sensitive to amphetamines because amphetamines and methamphetamines were the reason why the kamikazes were willing to fucking fly their planes right right into boats. Like, (laughs) fucking gritting their teeth the whole way. Boom. That's why Lexus probably does so well because if, like, you mess up at the factory, you have to, like, walk off a plank because of honor. They're in honor. Really? Well, I'm just, I don't know if that's true, but it is. (laughs) 
They don't fuck. I've had three Lexuses in my life. They never break. They're so good. They're so good. I had the the best cars. So this is from the last Olympics. Okay, Simone Biles addresses leaked medical records and ADHD misconceptions. U.S. gymnast superstar Simone Biles was in a different kind of spotlight Tuesday after Russian hackers circulated confidential medical reports in the World Anti-Doping Agency database that showed her use of methylphenidate, a stimulant used to treat ADHD. Biles, 19, was forced to publicly address her ADHD and her approval of the use of medication after a leak. I have ADHD, and I've taken medicine for it since I was a kid. Please know I believe in a clean sport. I've always followed the rules. will continue to do so as far as play is critical to uh, – as fair play is critical to sport and is very important to me. So she's been on this medication for a long time. But see if you can find that uh, an article that says she was not allowed to take this ADHD medication in Japan. Because that's what they were saying. They were saying that during this Olympics, they told her she has to get off of it. If that's the case, that would greatly contribute to her anxiety and her mental problems that she's having. Imagine if you're on a medication for last at least five years, right? She's been on since uh, 2016. And then all of a sudden they tell you you can't be on it anymore and you have to compete in the Olympics. Yeah. And you're used to being on this medication. Yeah, no, the that, fuck? that'll that'll cause you some strife. But this could be fishy. Like they're saying they treat it for ADHD, but what if this is like a drug that makes them like super focused? What well, does make you super it's focused? Super focused. I'm sure it does. So I mean, that's that's, that's yeah. why they say pitchers can't take it. Right. Like pitchers want to take Adderall. Right. Yeah. And they the pitchers used to take uh, greenies, which were right. basically like right. some sort of amphetamines. Amphetamines. Yeah. So this could be a similar kind of scandal where the Russian hackers. Freaking Russians, uh, you know, the Russians and the Chinese are just like, they're beating us on the online, dude. They're like, they're like Yago and Othello. And they're just kind of <laughs> manipulating us and hacking they are. our shit. They are. You see that uh, video of Hunter Biden doing crack? Someone yes. hacked that. I mean, How'd they I, get that? I don't know, but it was one of the funniest when she's going, are you there? And he's just going. <laughs> 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 I watch it over and over again and just laugh. Well, what's crazy is Joe Biden was one of the people that made sure that the laws went through that treated people very differently for crack than they did for cocaine. I mean, that has been, if you want to talk about, if you want to see clear evidence of racism in prosecutions, oh yeah, it's the difference between how they treat cocaine arrests versus how they treat crack arrests. Yeah. And crack, if you talk to Dr. Carl Hart from fucking Columbia, who's a brilliant guy, he'll tell you that crack is cocaine. Right. It's just a, a cheaper version of it. It's just about the way it's processed and the way it's made. But essentially, the psychoactive chemical is the same. For sure. And I think uh, the drug drug crimes, really, you see the systematic yeah. oppression of black people in drug crime. Like, it's like, yeah, white guy's doing cocaine. Exactly. Like, but like, yeah, I mean, a black guy's got a bag of marijuana. He goes away for 15 years or whatever. That's been the, total injustice yeah. in our country. Meanwhile, yeah. his... Fucking son yeah. smoked crack. Kid smokes crack. <laughs> I mean, he's got a couple bucks. He parties, dude. Yeah. He's got he, money and he's, he's like, got a taste. You know, he's got it. Yeah. Once you develop, it's like, you know, once you experience 100% pure grape juice, it's delicious. But if you were raised on grape drink, you love right. that grape drink. It's a different flavor. It's a different flavor. He loves that grape drink yeah. drug. Yeah. Because that's basically like, it's kind of like a cheaper form of the real thing. Is a cheaper form of the real thing, and I bet part of it is being naughty. Yeah. 
Hunter Biden likes to be naughty. He's a naughty boy. He's a naughty kid. Right? He's naughty. His dad was the vice president, yeah. and he's just being naughty. Yeah. You know, he's eating hookers' assholes and yeah. smoking crack and getting wild, <laughs> yeah. getting foot jobs. He's fun. I mean, I he's a he's fun, fun kid. I'd rather I try hang to get out him, with him on the podcast. Yeah. I tried to get him on the podcast. Well, tell him you he got said some crack. No. But here's the thing is like, they, they asked for him to be on the podcast first. And I think I was like, ah, I get the fuck out of here with that. And then as time went on, I was like, I think one day I was really high. Mm-hmm. And then I had this epiphany like, why wouldn't I have him on? Like, he's just a man. Yeah. Not only that. He's like, everybody's mad at him. I'm not mad at him. And I'm not a mean guy. Like, if I had him on the podcast, I would be nice to him. I don't know what it's like to be born a son of a a, a wealthy, famous politician who happened to be the vice president of the United States, who also drafted the 1994 sweeping crime bill. I don't know who the, what the fuck that would be like. Right. It'd be weird. Right. It's a weird life, man. And, yeah. and I probably got naughty, too. Yeah, you, you know, but he seems yeah. to have pulled his shit together and he wrote a book about it and everybody wants to prosecute him and attack him and all this shit But, but what has he done? He's just done regular qu- crazy shit that a lot of our comic friends have done, right? I have no problem with that guy, right? Like the idea that we should hate him because his dad is the vice president now the president like why right? Well, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, he's got no power or anything like that. He's just a guy who likes to get wild. He likes to get wild, yeah. How many guys like that do we know? A lot of guys. In our world? Yeah. I mean, I give him more. A lot of guys. I don't even know guys who smoke crack anymore. I mean, he's like a throwback. He's well, like a- one of my best friends was a serious crackhead. Yeah? Yeah, when I lived in New York. He's dead now. Yeah. But uh, one of my best friends. He was, uh, he was, at the time, my best friend. But one of my best friends ever. If I had to make a list of like 20 of my all-time best friends, my friend Johnny B, he would be- he would be right up there. He was fucking amazing. He was an amazing guy, but he was a drug addict, and he was wild. Yeah, just a wild dude. And uh, he would he would always have. I, I dropped him off places sometimes. I'd have him. I'd bring him to go cop where he pick up drugs, and then I'd have to take him to a liquor store so he could buy forty ounces to t- take the edge off because he was so he was so fucked up on crack. This sounds very like early '90s, '80s, just yes. crack '40s. Yep, exactly. It was early, early '90s. Yeah, yeah. a little brand new being playing in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool G rap. Cool G rap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. Ill Street Blues. Yeah, yeah. you lose because you got the <laughs> Ill Street Blues. Those guys could rhyme, dude. Fuck, dude. Yeah. Kill G, cool G, cool G. Excuse me. Cool G rap is to this day, in my opinion, one of the most underrated rappers of all time. He's one of the all-time greats. Without a doubt. Cock blocking, that song Cock Blocking. Without a doubt. If you listen to Ill Street, you listen to the lyrics of Ill Street Blues. Amazing. 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 Yeah. Rakim. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Eric B and Rakim. Uh, Oh, my God. Just lyricist, Big L. That whole era, it it might have peaked. I'm telling you, there's no lyricist as good as those guys. Maybe Eminem. Nas. Nas, Nas is the goat. Is great. Yeah, he's but the Nas goat. is from back then. He is from yeah. back then, but he's still doing it right now. Nas, in my opinion, is the goat. Of lyrics, I don't think anybody can touch him. I think he's number one. He's my all-time favorite lyricist. He makes songs backwards. Yeah. Right? That one song, was it Rewind? What was that what was that one song that he did? Was it Rewind? That he did backwards. Yeah. He told the whole story backwards. Yeah. Who the fuck does that? Nas. Nas does yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, his rhymes are meticulous. They're fantastic. Totally. You never hear like a, a Nas lyric where you go, mm, that one's a little little sketchy. Yeah. They're all amazing. He's a real artist. It's He's a like real artist. Artistry yeah. with it. Yeah. Back then, hip-hop was incredible. Like, everything was artistic, even the performance. Yep. Like, the background dancers, break dancing, like yep. the synchronized break dancing, and the beatboxing, yep. the DJing. Now it's just club music. Those guys must hate mumble rap. Hate it. <laughs> And just how rich those guys are, 
<laughs> like I saw, I think I oh. saw like Sadat X on the train uh, one day, and I was like, I mean, those guys still tour, make money. They go to Japan. Japanese can't get enough of hip hop. They love really? it. Oh, they love it. They dude. love breakdancing over they there. Love hip hop. They love breakdancing. They love black. So they eyes. Korea. Korea loves breakdancing. Yeah. Have you ever followed Stance Elements on no. uh, Instagram? No. Stance Elements is this hip hop page. Uh, it's breakdancing page on um, on Instagram, and. What they're doing right now with hip hop, with breakdancing rather, is it doesn't even make sense. Like the physical feats of spectacular coordination and strength that these fucking people can do now. They're like, forget about gymnastics. Right. Really, breakdancing should be in the fucking Olympics. Yeah. Like, do you ever see, uh, what is that dude's name? Uh, Pocket B Boy Pocket Kim. What the fuck is his name? How do you say his name? There's this kid, dude. And he he defies gravity. Like, it doesn't make sense. B-Boy Pocket, Kim? Yeah, B-Boy Pocket. And uh, his name is Jiju uh, Kim. And uh, he is fucking wild, dude. When you see him move around, you cannot believe the kind of shit this guy can do with his body. And it's all, all breakdancing. It's all B-Boys. Yeah. I picked something too simple here. This is very simple. He's just hanging out with these ladies. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta go, go to that one. That was like spinning when, on his fucking head. Look at this. That's when you pulled up my Maurice clip when Eliza. You pulled hey, up I a agree. promo. Look at this. Look at this. Should be fast. That's crazy, dude. Watch that. Look what he's doing on his head. Yeah. Watch when he brings his legs together. He's uh, spinning like a top on the top <laughs> of his head. He's like a, he's like an electronic screwdriver. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah. And that's nothing compared to some of the other shit that he could do. Yeah. He does, uh, what do they call that, Jamie? He's like, uh, watch that one. He's just showing himself warming up. Oh, he might be selling pants here, yeah. I think. Is he? Yeah. I mean, I, Asians, though, they can do this stuff, man. They can, you know. Well, so can a lot of other people, dude. I know, but have you seen Ocean's Eleven, dude? The, other, the kid in Ocean's Eleven could fit in a suitcase. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. They could turn invisible. I want to see a, a really impressive one, though. Let's see, let's see if this is one of them. This guy, okay, here it is. It's Look insane. at the shit this guy can do. It's crazy. And these people that are involved in this, they keep pushing the envelope of breakdancing. Yeah. And now there's a couple of friends that I have that are in the uh, jiu-jitsu world. Um, Richie Martinez and Gio Martinez, they started out as breakdancers. And I remember when they first came over to jiu-jitsu, jiu uh, Eddie Bravo, my instructor, was like, dude, there's something going on. Like breakdancing is next level. Like the strength that these guys have, the coordination they have, and the, the ability to control their body is unprecedented. So he started literally practicing breakdancing moves as a, a method of getting better at jujitsu. That's like Herschel Walker, he did ballet. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting to see it evolve where now, like like athletes, like athletics, where it's just more faster, mm -hmm. more powerful, yeah. more insane. Yep. Jiu-jitsu's evolving too, right? And like, Oh, yeah. Like uh, MMA, those leg kicks, that's the new thing. The like, low, the leg, low kicks. leg kicks. Yeah. are like, dudes are breaking their legs now. I know, it's So crazy. then maybe humans will evolve. They'll like start, like, you know how those Thai... Those tie boxers kick trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. Maybe like now MMA guys are going to start like until their legs are like guns, like just like steel <laughs> because they're just snapping like guys legs. How many times recently it's been like three, four guys have just snapped their legs. It's been a few. Connor apparently went into that fight with a cracked shin already. 
he uh, he had gotten a stress fracture on his shin and got it scanned. And there's even photographs of the scans and was putting pads on it. But I think what he was trying to do was he was trying to spar during camp with no shin and instep pads. That's what I've been told. I don't know if it's true. Whenever anything happens, you'll get like a bunch of text messages from guys. You know, I know a guy from Connor's camp says Connor was sparring with no shin pads. Like, I don't know if that's true, but that's a rare thing for someone to spar. Like, but he was so hell-bent on destroying Dustin Poirier, he might have done something like that. Right. And then it wound up costing him. Because you, you could see his leg. It's it's clearly, there's something wrong with it going in. Your leg doesn't just break like that. Right. You know, like when you see Chris Weidman's leg break, it's real clear. Right. He throws it, it catches right where Uriah Hall's shin meets the top of the knee, or the bottom of the knee. It's a very rigid spot, and the, something has to give out, and the, it was the shin. That makes sense. Right. The Connor one didn't really make sense. It's more of an ankle, more lower. Didn't make sense the way it broke. No. Like it, it, there was something wrong with it. I would imagine but already. That one kick where he kind of checked on the mm-hmm. elbow. It was that spot. Yeah, but even then, yeah. even then, that's it's very rare that that's going to make your your instep or your shin break like that. Right. You know what's interesting is like not only does sports evolve, but your tolerance evolves for what you can look at. Because now I've become such a big MMA fan, and now I've seen so many of those breaks. At first, you can't look at them. You're like, oh my, I can't look at him. Now you get used to it. I'm like, I can watch a replay. I can, oh, dude, I can watch him me. now. Yeah. I, I've seen it in person, yeah. right? So I've called like thousands of fights in person. Yeah. So I've seen, I've probably seen more people get fucked up than most of the people that have ever lived. Right. If you had a like a, a if you had a history of people that have seen people get the shit beaten out of them, well, I got to be high on that list. You're high on the list, but also like there's a lot. Uh, World Star Hip Hop has done a good job for all of us. It has, but yeah. there's a difference between watching something on a screen and, and seeing something live. in real life. You're right. Yeah. You get it really accustomed to seeing like injuries in real life. I'm very yeah. accustomed to injuries in a weird way. I love your outfit. Is that the same outfit or you just got a bunch of like black shirts? David August. Yeah. I have uh, t- like tailored suits that are made by David August. Yeah, it's a good look, yeah. My fucking chimp body. Yeah. I have to get things that <laughs> fit me right. Yeah, they make beautiful clothes. You look like a priest after work or something. All that shit, when you see Conor McGregor yeah. wearing a suit walking into the arena, yeah. that's David August. Oh, he's he makes legit. Yeah. Impeccable suits. Yeah, it's a good look. I, I started getting into wearing them on stage. When I do arenas, I wear suits. I saw you uh, with Chappelle. You had a suit it's on. So yeah. if yeah. you feel like it's special, right? Like I, I wear these uh, like beautiful jackets and, be- and everything fits good. You feel like, you feel like something extra. You know, when you're doing these big ass crowds. Yeah, I like it. Burr's got that great joke. He's like, I know, I know why people are evil because like every time I don't know what the joke is, be like when I put the suit on, I could feel the evil kind of just like I want to. <laughs> <laughs> you just feel like I want to take over some shit. <laughs> yeah, it's um. There's a feeling of like preparedness, like you're 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 prepared for this. Like this is like I am a professional. Right. I am I am here. I've done the work. Yeah. You know, look at this clothes. Yeah. I've got clothes that are designed to fit me. They've, right. They've been fit and cut and sewed and they they fit my form perfectly. Yeah. It feels nice. Yeah. So you, you, get used to, you get used to that. Nice. Is there a sound when it when it cracks? Well, like when you can oh, you when you hear, hear yeah. the bone, like you can hear it. With Chris Weidman, you heard the crack, but I didn't know if it was his his shin cracking or just a really hard kick that hit the thigh. It was hard to tell because you know I'm not hearing it completely unfiltered. I'm hearing it in my ear and I'm hearing it through a microphone, and they're inside that cage, and they're at the time they're probably like thirty or forty feet from me. So it's hard to say what you're hearing. Right. You know, you know you're hearing an impact. Right. But when with, with Chris, 
the the kick was so powerful. He threw full blast, like the first kick. He just decided he was going to fuck Uriah, Le- Uriah Hall's leg up with the first kick he threw. So first kick he threw, he throws full power, which you rarely do. Most guys, they're like... Like, if you watch a guy like Colby Covington, like Colby Covington is one of the top welterweights, is, is known for his cardio. And I had a conversation about him about this. I go, when you're throwing, I go, you're not throwing 100%. He goes, no, like 60, like 60, 70%. Something. He goes, it's somewhere in that range. He goes, every now and then I'll hit him with 100. He goes, but well, most of the time it's like 60, 70%. And it's one of the reasons why the guy has an endless gas tank, because he's never like full blasting it. Chris Weidman went full blast with that kick right out of the gate. You could tell. Also, Uriah Hall is like built like a brick shit house. So. He is. He is, and Go. he's also like super technical. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to catch him clean with something like first shot. He's, you know, he's very poised and ready. Yeah. Colby Covington is entertaining. He's gonna fight in Madison Square Garden I, for the title. I'm excited you about that go? fight. Can I go? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Please, thank you. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Yes. That first fight was great, and people were like, I can't believe you're fighting again. It's like, dude, that first fight was great. It was amazing. It was an amazing fight. It was fight. amazing. It was an amazing fight. Yeah. It was amazing. I mean, look, dude had his fucking jaw broken and still fought another round and a half. With... And he's been kicking ass since. Yeah. Oh, so, fuck yeah. yeah. Well, listen, Kamaru Usman, the guy he lost to, is my opinion... If, if there's George St. Pierre's number one, he's number two. He's And the only reason why, you know, you don't know who would win out of the two of them is because they haven't fought. Right. But, like, in terms of greatest welterweights of all time, it's tough to fuck with Kamaru Usman. He's he's right up there at the top of the food chain. He doesn't have the credentials in terms of the overall volume of impressive victories as a champion because he's only defended. He won the title versus Tyron Woodley. He beat Colby Covington. He beat Gilbert Burns. He beat Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal. He KO'd Masvidal in the rematch. Mm. Like Those are the big fights, and they're great, impressive fights, but George's legacy is so long. I mean, George was George's legacy is just... But George, in all fairness, I don't think he fought the same caliber of competition as Usman has. Is that because the athletes evolved? Or exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. I think, and it's not no knock on George. George is still one of the all-time greats, and you know, and George when he came back and and stopped Michael Bisping and choked him unconscious, you got to say, well, Jesus Christ, George is probably even better than he was when he was a champion, right? Because Bisping is fantastic, but I think that uh, the level of competition that Usman has faced is is arguably better. It's such an interesting thing to watch a sport evolve so quickly kind of like tennis i remember it was serving volleyers and then guys from the bay you know the technology changes the the training changes yeah. and with with mma there's so many different disciplines that uh you don't know which one's going to start having a bigger impact and then all the guys are going and it's now it's the leg kicks it seems yep. you see guys just get chopped down with those leg kicks and then it's oh you know that they have no power and uh they can't throw they can't even move they right. They can't move right. And yeah. like you can see the belts. You can see it, like those red belts oh, yeah. on the leg. I used to think that those legs didn't do I, I, Those leg kicks didn't do anything. Has anybody ever leg kicked you? No. Do you want to get leg kicked? Only if you do it for America from on me. For America? Like full throttle. No, I would never do it full throttle. Yeah, no, I'd be dead. I'll give you a tap but a just kick, so you could feel it. A Joe it. Rogan kick in the chest may be what I need to just like- Get you going? Get me going. Like a kickstart? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you kick hard. Yeah. I'm not kicking you. No, please don't. But but to, to feel a shin on your thigh, just to feel like a like a thump, is uh, it's illuminating. Right. You go, oh, God. Because it's like, just, just do that to your leg. Right. What is this? Who is this? 
Oh, Fabrizio. That's Fabrizio <laughs> Verdum. Is that a journalist? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Aaron True. Oh, I talked to Aaron. Aaron was letting a bunch of people kick him. And I, and I told him at one point in time ago, Aaron, please stop doing that. And that was only 40%. Fabrizio yeah. says, only 40%, my friend. You think it's deceptive when you watch it because... Guys don't react that much. They just take the kick. Because they're animals. But they're it's because they're animals, right? And their legs are very conditioned. Right. They're accustomed to getting beaten up. They develop these really weird veins all over their legs. Like uh, Kevin Randleman, who was one of the greats, one of the all-time greats, former UFC heavyweight champion, he fought Pedro Hizzo. And Pedro Hizzo is, in my opinion, probably the hardest leg kicker that ever existed in MMA. He's this big, giant, Brazilian heavyweight, fantastic kicker. He was so good. And he fucked up Randleman's leg. He fucked up Randy Couture's leg so bad that Randy said his leg was fucked up for six months after wow. the fight. Wow. Where it was like sore and lumpy and fucked up. But Randleman had these, he, Randleman passed away, rest in peace. But he, Randleman had these huge welts in his legs till the day he died from Pedro Hizzo. His veins had got destroyed from Hizzo kicking him. And so, like, there's photos if you find Kevin Randleman's leg damage from Pedro Hizzo. For the rest of his life, he had these fucked up giant garden hose looking varicose veins in his leg where he got kicked by Pedro Hizzo. Wow. Yeah, like he'll change your legs. Right. <laughs> like literally, he'll that's, change your legs. That's some ill shit to say somebody. Yeah. Bro, Pedro kicks I'll so change hard. Your legs. I was at uh, Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu once in the early 1990s, and uh, Pedro was working out, and he was kicking this heavy bag, and everybody was just like, what? He was just stepping up, and he's a big guy, you know, right. 250 pounds. Right. Just stepping in. Whoa! 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 And you just imagine what that would be like on your leg, just chop, chop. Chop and yeah. and he you know they the UFC gave him a giant contract at one point in time because they were convinced that Pedro was going to be the heavyweight champion of the world right. and he had knocked out Josh Barnett he he and Randy Couture Not went the to actor war Josh Barnett Josh Barnett is the youngest ever UFC heavyweight champion ah he won the title when he was. I want to say he was 24 years old. I think at the time he was the youngest ever heavyweight, not just heavyweight champion, but he was the youngest ever UFC champion. Yeah. Right on. He still fights. He's Fuck still going? Savage. Is it, well, that's after the fight, the swelling in his legs. His legs were all fucked up and swole. It's hard to tell from that picture. They just look like big legs. But Kevin's legs normally were shredded. Right. You would see all the muscle. That's just... See if you could see Kevin's I tried, veins. I tried it. Nothing's coming up. Nothing? Oh, I remember this dude. This dude is built. I mean... Randleman? Yeah. Oh, Randleman was a goddamn tank. Yeah. He was a tank. He was. Uh, he fought in like uh, Japan, like a yep. different. Fought for pride. pride. Yeah, no, he was a spectacular athlete. Yeah, it's not showing it. Um, <clears throat> you'd have to like dig deep into the archives. Do you think the UFC? I know like um, certain grapplers, like uh, like uh, the jujitsu guys. What's the one guy? He was really. God, I just can't think of his name. Um, Describe what he looks like. Uh man, he's like uh, he was um, strike force. He was he was he's like, but he's gra he's all jujitsu, and like I was that. Uh, what's his fucking name? He was a all jujitsu. Uh, uh, Roger Gracie? No, not Gracie. That not the original guys. But no, he, that's he. Roger fought in uh, in strike force. Well, my point is, I'll think of his name. But Nick my Diaz? No, not not the Diaz brothers. But he's in the camp with the Diaz brothers. He's like the Jake Crone? Jake Jake Shields. Jake Shields. Jake Shields. Jake Shields. Yeah. So. Savage, right? Yeah, as you would say, amazing. But his style is kind—I of, guess, like for fans—is a little boring. 
because he doesn't strike that much. He goes for he goes for submissions. But if he gets a hold of you, you're fucked. You're Bill. fucked. You're yeah. fucked. It's like a boca trick. Jake Shields was a monster. Do you think that the because I know my taste as a viewer is changing, like I'm being conditioned to appreciate the jujitsu and grappling more, the Muay Thai. Oh, I'm starting like when it goes to the ground, like you're starting to hear I think a less booze because I think the the watcher is getting more educated, the viewer is getting more educated on like how much tactical skill is going into what's going on whereas before it was just like people love seeing strikes but now now it do you th my question is that do you think that it'll that that'll be as exciting as the striking in MMA as like the as the viewer gets more educated it is for some it is for me obviously i, I have a jujitsu background but you i know also, what's going I, on yeah but i also uh, i appreciate people who figure out how to win you know i i i just i love watching people solve puzzles I like watching people figure out how to beat a guy. And if a guy beats a guy with a submission or if a guy beats a guy with a head kick, for me, it's all exciting. It's right. all very exciting. But I think for the crowd, it's knockouts are always going to be first. Mm -hmm. It's just human nature. Right. Because it makes more sense to people that don't fight. Like, if you look at the audience, if you go to the T-Mobile arena, and there's, you know, what is a T-Mobile seat? Like 18,000, 20,000 people? There's 20,000 people. How many of those people can train? How many of those people know striking or jujitsu or how many of those people have ever been kicked? Maybe 4,000, right. 5,000, right? So for most people, they, they know what's happening if a guy gets kicked in the face. You get kicked in the face and your head snaps back, you flatline and fall back. Everybody's like, oh shit! There's an oh shit moment to knockouts that just don't exist in submissions. Submissions are amazing, but I think you have to kind of appreciate what a guy's doing or a girl's doing in order to be able to really enjoy a submission the way you enjoy uh, a strike, a knockout. You're right. Yeah, it's starting though to feel exciting when you see a guy get his hooks in and like that battle. Oh that yeah, battle he when he's win. defending yeah. and like he gets one arm and that, oh, yeah. it's like that anticipation. Yeah, of no, it, if a guy can win, it's exciting. starting to feel exciting as a viewer. I'm just saying from somebody who doesn't know how to do any of that stuff. Uh, as a fan, that stuff is starting to feel more exciting than it used to be feel for me. I think so, for sure. Yeah. I think people are getting more educated about the sport, the more fights they watch, and the more they see, like, for Khabib, for, for perfect example. Khabib chokes everybody out, and he's, like, one of the greatest, no, if not the greatest. There's a real argument that Khabib is the greatest of all time. And again, doesn't have the accolades that John Jones has. And I know John Jones has one loss on his record, but it's a bullshit loss. It's a disqualification of a fight with Matt Hamill where he was destroying him. So you can make the argument that John Jones is undefeated, and I think you should make that argument because nobody really defeated him. Even though he has a loss on his record, no one, no one beat him. Khabib, Khabib is undefeated. He d retired at, was it 29-0, and and dominated everybody. No one was even close. John Jones had a couple of split decisions. Reyes, that Reyes fight. Reyes fight was fucking close. Close. Fucking close. Yeah. And so was the Tiago uh, Santos fight. Right. Fucking close. close. Close fights. There's no close fights in Khabib's no. history. There's no close fights. No. Everybody gets fucking mauled. Yeah. Everybody smash. Send me location. Smash. <laughs> Send location. <laughs> I, my favorite quote was in, with him with Conor McGregor. He goes, I want to change his face. Uh, change his face. Change yeah. his face. Yeah. Bro, yeah. Khabib was the fucking man. He was the fucking man. And, you know, think about it. He beat Dustin Poirier, submission. Justin Gaethje, submission. Conor McGregor, submission. He submitted all those guys. Yeah. And nobody cared. They just were excited to watch Khabib fight. It could be because of him. 
you know, it's like usually it's a certain athlete that does something real well that enlightens people to that aspect of the game. It could be because of him. Because you hear those crowds were lit. Like when he was on Connor's back. Oh, yeah. It was like you could hear it when 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 he was getting that that Poirier fight, too. He yep. gets in his back and like. You know, you could just you you that, that anticipation of the choke is yeah. exciting, yeah. and when a guy gets out, that's really exciting. Like when a guy somehow gets out, when like the hooks are in and one one arm's in, but somehow a guy gets out, that's exciting too. That thing he did to Connor was so nasty too, because he wasn't even under the chin; he was, it was on, like a crank, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. It's called a fulcrum choke. Um, Dean Lister explained it. He he, after the fight was over, he did a thing on his Instagram page where he explained the technique. And uh, it's not a move that I've ever used. It's like uh, in that position, I've always gone to like there's a move where you uh, you pull the neck this way and you pull the body that way. Like you, you do what's called uh, a gable grip on the neck and you're pulling the neck this way. And then with your lower legs, you're pulling the body another way. Ow. And you're, you've got a guy like really fucking twisted up and, and yanked. And it's very, very painful. But Khabib, I think Khabib's is even better because Khabib is going across the jaw. And then he's putting this forearm, this part right here, behind your back. So as he's gripping, he's got your head. In you know wrapped up in his arm and then he's got this pressing against your back and he uses that as a lever and he's cranking your neck so he's using wow. the elbow as a fulcrum to crank your neck and you see Connor at the end of the fight see if you can find the the finish that's medieval it's medieval so it wasn't even that he was choked wasn't out him. he was just pain neck cranking him wow yeah he was smashing his that. neck he's smashing his neck but it's not even the greatest submission of all time. The, the greatest, the most painful neck submission of all time was in one fighting championship. This guy, let me show this this one first. Find a Connor submits Khabib, because if you see the way he's doing it, it's uh, it's very sophisticated. It's 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 very smart. Yeah, here he goes. So he gets on top of him. I remember there was like a scramble when he was on all fours. Yeah. Right, he goes against the wall. He's smashing him. He's got full mount here. He's got one, one was like like three quarter mount, but he's basically mounted. He could pull that foot he's out. He's talking he to him the whole time. Send yeah. me location. He goes, let's talk now. Let's, let's talk, talk now. So he he gets his back, and then when Connor tries to scramble to his feet, just scoo scooch ahead a little bit there. Uh, no, when Connor, it's a little bit more. Connor tries to get to his feet, right there. Go right there. So now he's taking his back. Oh, yeah, and when he takes his back, he gets his arm under. Connor tucks his chin. See how he tucks his chin? Yeah, yeah. But look where, look where his left forearm is. See his left forearm? It's pushing against the yes, back. Yeah. So the choke is not in. Right. It's on the chin. But the way he's gripping it and the way he's pushing his left forearm against the back of Connor and then yanking on his neck. Go ahead, play it out. Watch, he's just... Oh, he's pulling see? it back, yeah. yeah. see, it's using... Wow. It. It's a fulcrum. It's a fulcrum. So he's yanking it back and pushing the bottom half of his yes. body down? That's not even the worst choke. You want to see the worst choke? Yeah. I'm going to show the worst choke. Uh, look up uh, nastiest submission ever one fighting championship. I don't even know who the dude is that did this technique. We'll, we'll give him credit after the fight. But he basically got the guy's back and then flattened the guy out on the ground and... With his arm under his oh, neck, Jesus. pushed. Yeah, 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 exactly. Watch this. Oh, I gotta find. It. It's in the top twenty thing, but it's the, it's the main thumbnail. It's it fucking thing. nasty. Like where you you go, this guy might be dead. Like he he moves his 
he's got like a rear naked choke. But instead of going like rear naked choke where he's sinking in like this, he basically flattens the guy out on his back and then he pulls his neck forward like this, like all the way. So the guy's neck is like, is like his face is pressed up against. So he's choking against. him with his own body. He's almost. got his forehead on the center of his chest. Is that called anything or is it just like death? Death. It's called death. <laughs> so it doesn't have a move called just the dude. I don't, Dude's, it was getting nasty with him. It's like a variation of a, a, a choke from the back, but he doesn't have any hooks in. Right. He just figured out instead of like the hooks are like you're trying to control the guy's body while you submit from the neck. But right. what he's doing is he's got the guy flattened out, and then because he has his head trapped, he forces his face forward. Right. It's horrifying. I want to see this. It's the bad. most horrifying submission I've ever seen. And yeah. I've, I'm watch looking. it. I, I, this might not be it, but I think it was. That's it. That's it. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead a little further. Go uh, right right before that. No, no, that's not it. That's a regular one. Yeah, sorry. Is this all of his? It's so it. It was in the thumbnail, and unfortunately, it's not like the number one of twenty. Scooch up. I'm trying to find. Oh yeah. See, just scroll through. It's got to be number one. It's not. I checked. I started at the end. That's why I'm starting to scroll. I took too long to scroll through. Okay. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Let me see if I can recognize it. Yeah, I know the picture I'm looking for now. I don't see the guy being flattened out like that. It was horrific, dude. Like, I'm telling you, out of all the thousand people that I've seen get choked unconscious, this was number one. You may be one of the only people on the planet that's seen that many people get choked out. I think there's probably a few jujitsu guys that have seen more people get choked out. But But you're you're up there. Yeah, I'm in the top 100. Go to the very end. It's got to be number one. How can it not be number one? It was. I know. It's like it's some guy just doing a regular. Go back a little. I think this is it. Yeah, Go back. See, he's got his arm. Nope, that's not it. That's like the end of the video. Wow. Come what on. is this one? Very similar. Nope, that's not it. But that's... See, it's it's in it's that picture right there. Is that triangle choke? Yeah, that's it. That's the picture. But it's not. But that where's which where's that one? Well, find out who that is. <laughs> I was I would think it would just have been, have been right there. Doesn't say. Sorry, why I'll would they again. not say know. that that's number one? How could that? Wait a minute. What does it say? It's it said top, top 20. twenty. But if you put your thing in there, you let it sc- the video scroll yeah, a little I bit. Find a guy with do black, that. Th- do that back again. It starts showing other parts of the video. Nineteen, number nineteen. That's it. That's the one I stopped on. And that's not it. No. Hmm. This could be it. Because it's a guy in black and white. No, that's a triangle. He's going to get him in an arm bar. That's not it either. We got stuck looking at this now. Yeah. I guess once you feel that that arm under your You need to see it. You know it's over. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Go to uh, One's Instagram page. They have it on their Instagram page. If you go to their Instagram page. Do, 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 do. Let me see. Hip hop is dead. See now I got Nas stuck in my head. Yeah. Um, I know they had it on their Instagram page recently. This is like when something's on the tip of your tongue and you can't. You're like, this is driving is me fucking crazy. This is like when I was doing Jake Shields. I was like, what's his name? Oh, what's wait a minute. Hold on. Go scroll up a little bit. What's that one on the left hand side? What's the date of that one? Five days ago. Okay, it's it's somewhere in that range. Fuck, wait a minute, scroll up a little, scroll up a little. Is that it right there? No, one guy's no, wearing black, one guy's wearing white trunks. 
Okay. Fucking fuck. I'm just looking for that now. I don't fucking I'm not, fuck fuck. I know. I want to go back to the video. God damn it. I'll take your word. I, like I try I to visualize find it. it. I feel like I can find it. Like nastiest submission ever. This is the most drawn out moment we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> It's like we went Nasty to the library and we're looking through microfiche. FC. Well, that ain't it. God damn it. Yeah, I don't know why it's in the thumbnail and then it's not. That's bad YouTubing. Damn it. It's a gangster way to end the fight, <sighs> though, is take away someone's oxygen like COVID. It's worse than. T- <laughs> It's worse than taking someone's oxygen away because the guy yeah, basically. All right, I'll Google it. Jamie's gonna find it. It's uh, it's worse. Than t- you want a cigar? Yeah, you, I you just put cigars? a snooze in, but I'll smoke a cigar. You put a snooze in? Yeah. You do those Sweet things? snooze. Do you yeah. like those things? Yeah. It does make me nervous. I do. They don't make me feel good. No. Cigars make me relaxed. Cigars are great conversation um, enhancers. Yeah, that's snooze stuff that makes me wanna. Barf, because yeah, you gotta like yeah, drink gotta, down the tobacco juice. I know. It's nasty. Yeah. You like it? Did you I do smoke love cigarettes? it. Yeah. Well, I stopped and then I started. My wife caught me with a coat. <gasps> you know, Sicario. this is how you get caught when she just sent me a picture of the pack she found. Oh. And I was like, all right. She and then she gave me, you know, You're, my daughter's you not gonna. You have a child. Yeah, you have a child. <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. My wife says the same shit when I get in an ice bath for twenty minutes. <laughs> In the middle of the, in the, in the morning, I woke up to, to get up to work out, and she, she goes, are you okay? Yeah. I'm, like, I'm fine. I feel great. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be a funny way to go, though, just hypothermia and a cold. Me? Yeah. For me, it would be a perfect way to go. Look at that fucking moron. Look at him. Yeah. Uh, is that a lighter? Mm-hmm. Wow, this is an all-in-one. I think this one's out of juice. Is it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Here. Sure. Well. Thank you. Fill it up. Fine, they, they have another article where they have the picture in the top on one FC's website. They have a picture of it. It says yeah, top that's ten. It. it says top ten submissions, and it's not listed in the top ten submissions. What? Well, unless it's uh, one of these, they don't have something else of. But Terminator Guillotine, isn't that it? This. What do say? That's that. Is that it? No. Dude, no, it's not. A, that's a different. That's a guillotine. That's like a guillotine from behind. Um, seven. It's not in the list. This Gogo Plata? No, it's okay, definitely not like Gogo Plata. Is your leg? No, that's why I didn't think it was any of these. Could be Two. this Maestro choke, but mm-hmm. it well, might be put... just people. Yeah, are... that's it. That's it. Okay, that's it. That's it. So let me. So pull up that guy's name. So do you... yeah, Maestro that is it. Sajuev, I don't. Yeah, that's it. That's one hundred percent it. Okay, well, that's death. Definitely. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we it's go. It's still like it, you fucks. I checked both of these videos. It wasn't in it. I tell you, you what, sons of bitches. That way, is the choke. The way you described it is probably worth the wait. That's it's not. It's not. That's it. That is it. Jesus Christ. There it is. That's one hundred percent. Okay. Now you're gonna say. Trying to find the G spot. <laughs> so so he ca- see hear this. Look, so he catches the choke, uh-huh. right? But then he turns oh, him the other way. Oh, Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta see it from other angles, though. All angles. Play it. They'll show it in other angles, dude. I'm telling yeah. you, it is so nasty. Look at this. Yeah. Look at this. Look at uh, that right there. He's gonna break his. He's gonna pop his neck off. Yeah, it looks like his head's gonna f- go flying yeah. off into uh. the audience. What is that gentleman's name? Yusup. Yusup uh, Sadulev. Yusup Sadulev versus Jordan Lucas. 
Sorry, folks. I'm so sorry that I dragged you through this. If you're in your car, <laughs> parked, waiting to go to work, going, what the fuck, Rogan? <laughs> it was worth it, though. I'm sorry. I'll tell you what. Nasty, right? Yeah, na if there's ever a matchup between a dude named, what was his name? Jordan what? Lucas. And the other guy's name He's is Vusnisni. I'm going with yeah. the Vusnisni every yeah. time. They're Those dudes are killers. They're in a different world right yeah. now. There's so many assassins from that part of the world that are coming over to either 1FC or the UFC. I mean, the UFC has so many guys from Dagestan that I are know. just dominant. I mean, first of all, you had Khabib. Now you got Islam, uh, Islam Makachev. And that other dude who's like lanky, the tall guy. Oh, yeah, Zabit Magomed Shapirov. Yeah. yeah, he's. And then there's a, a fucking a whole boatload of them ready to take over that are next. Yeah. They're assassins, they man. They just wrestle with bears and then they get off the plane. He goes, uh, Khabib goes, I'm a mountain man. Yeah. Just just saying that, I'm a mountain man. Yeah. They're scary people, man. I remember when, uh, yeah, somebody was like, uh, I'll, I'll fight in the street. He's like, there's no street here. I'm from real mountain. Yeah. From real mountain. What is street? You don't, I, you don't have a street fight. Yeah, I'm from real. Like he was saying, it doesn't yeah. exist where you're from. Yeah. What is, like, what is street fight? Street fight where he comes from is like fighting wild animals who yeah. have nature strength. Well, those guys from the moment they're young, they're they're just they they're hard men. Yeah, this is just like this is the life. That's the path. It's combat sports. You ever see him play basketball? Who Khabib? Yes. No. Will Harris, who is uh, well, who's got the best footage of that? I've I've seen a few more now where people are like, "What the fuck are the rules of this game?" Oh, <laughs> I saw that. I yeah. saw that where they, it was like jail rules, mm -hmm. but like Dagestani jail rules where you could like kill a guy. Yeah. And they're just like, "Okay, side out." I got a video of Crow Cop doing it, I think. They call it MMA basketball. Yeah, Will Harris is the best well, footage of it. Will Harris who does the best MMA documentary footage in all of the sport. He's the best. And Will's been on the podcast before. He does amazing shit. Behind. I thought he worked for the UFC at one point in time because yeah. they use so much of his footage. But he's an independent guy. He's fucking phenomenal. And he lived in Dagestan with these guys. I and saw that. The guy that did the series on it. Yes. Like the docuseries. Yeah. Will's Black amazing. Yeah. He's amazing. Well, Will filmed this thing that they do where they play basketball, but they wrestle with it. submissions. I saw it, yeah. So yeah. they take each other down on the hardwood floor, <laughs> yeah. and they get each other in arm bars, yeah. and if you tap, then they switch to a choke, and then you tap. Like, they like keep control of you. Yeah. It's like, what is this game? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is I see a pattern in every sport. You see it in the Olympics now. Like, do we have any Americans on top of any sport? In basketball right now, it's like, Giannis, Yanis is the best player. Then in uh, the UFC, it's like all Nigerians are dominating. Well, uh, there's still some great fighters that are uh, Americans. There's, there's great fighters from all nationalities, but there's no denying that in MMA, there's a lot of Dagestanis. Follow Will Harris Productions on Instagram. That's his Instagram, and his YouTube page is, is fucking amazing. Anatomy of a Fighter. He does a lot of great footage. I mean, he gets right in there with these guys, and he... He embeds himself in their camp, so you get the kind of footage that's really not possible if you just have like, you know, cursory coverage where you're just like, okay, guys, for the next couple of hours, we're gonna film you working out. No, he's like there with them all the time, and he's curating the best footage. So there's no dribbling the ball. They're trying to shoot the ball, but they're wrestling each other. Look, they're throwing each other to the ground. There's no fouls. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have a mat over near where the uh, the fucking hoop is. There's a wrestling mat. 
So occasionally they take each other down. They just decide to start wrestling on the mat. It's like madness. It's, it's a pretty hilarious. nice shot by Khabib Curry, right there. Curry range. Not yeah. a bad shot, but nah. there's no dribbling. Yeah, no dribbling. Which it's is funny. More like rugby. Yeah, it's yeah. more like a basketball rugby type. Yeah, this is like rugby right here. Yeah, look at this. Guys are blocking. Yeah. It's very, but Floater. they're doing it. And the crazy thing is they're doing it on hardwood. Yeah. You know, they're not doing this on a wrestling mat. Now, are we sure that he didn't just do this because he knew it was an American journalist and he, no. they wanted to do like a diplomatic, like, hey, we play basketball too? And no, 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 no. <laughs> they, do that, they do that constantly, man. They do it all the time. There's a, a lot of footage of it. But I think about it. It's like um, Yanis and uh, what's his name from S Slovenia is like the best. Ba the, uh, everything is like the rest of the world has, is beating us. And everything. Like, look now, like, our gymnasts are retiring because they're sad. I don't... See, this is what everybody's saying about that girl. I think a thing about that girl is her ADHD medication. So, the deepest <clears throat> I could find was people discussing that and that. So then I outside looked up Ritalin in Japan. Turns up that currently the only drug used to, a to treat ADHD that is legal in Japan is called Concerta. While Ritalin is available in Japan to treat sleep disorders, it's not prescribed for ADHD. Imagine giving you speed for sleep disorders. Yeah. What? But it's not illegal, though, right? Ritalin. It says it's yeah. then going into, it says it's, it, you maybe could get it. It's very hard to get. And then it, she could be not on it because it was hard for her to get a, a TUE because Japan rules Trump Olympic rules or something. I think I that's what's going on. If you go to, I believe it was uh, Chris Bell's yeah, Instagram page. Oh, I saw him tweet it, but I think you go to Big Strong Fast. He he on Instagram. I think Chris Bell covered it, and he's discussing what exactly is happening with that girl. So that's something that people needed to take it. So many people are shitting on her online and calling her a coward. It's disgusting. Like you have no idea what's going on in her head. Are you right. supposed? She's supposed to play when she's suicidal. And is she supposed to play when she's freaking out? Is she supposed to do gymnastics when she's literally losing her mind? Like you. When people get off prescription drugs, like Jordan Peterson was fucked up for a whole year when he was trying to get off um, benzodiazepine. I, mean, I don't know what it's like to get off Ritalin, right. but I would imagine it's not fun. Right. Right. Yeah, it's withdrawal. Yeah. And who look, knows? The stuff that that girl has done. I mean, she's the goat by a lot. I mean, she does stuff that's like superhuman. Here it goes. Simone Biles, ADHD meds among common drugs banned from Olympics. So Simone Biles has revealed that she has ADHD and takes Ritalin for it. Uh, correction, it was first told, Adderall in the articles looked it up. It's Ritalin, very similar. He says, sorry. Uh, she received a ther therapeutic use exemption for it in 2016 and took home four gold medals in Rio. Fast forward to Tokyo 2020 and Ritalin and Adderall is 100% illegal in Japan under all circumstances, including therapeutic use. It is unfortunate because I'm sure we'd love to see her compete, but it makes sense that she couldn't focus. That does make sense. See, now, why are we not hearing this? Why am I getting this only from Chris Bell, who, by the way, made an incredible documentary, Bigger, Stronger, Faster, uh, which is uh, a documentary on steroids, and then uh, another documentary, Prescription Thugs, which is about prescription medication. Great, He does great shit. So I guess at this point it's either that's true or what Jamie pulled up before is true. Like, we're not sure, because Jamie's saying the article he wrote is that it's not illegal. It's I just bet it, it might be illegal for competition. Right. It might be illegal as a therapeutic use exemption. You might not be able to get one of those. In right. Whatever Chris is saying. But it's uh, it's a complicated story. It's not, I mean, this girl's, she won four gold medals in Rio. What do you, she's it's not a like she's a, She's not a chicken. She's like, the best of all time by, right. by all people's accounts. Aren't they yeah. changing rules because she can do yes. shit that other people can't do? Yeah. She's they, insane. Right? Yeah.
she like flies through the air. It's incredible. Yeah, there was a video that was uh, describing how they're literally like altering the rules to make what she does less impressive. Right. Or less uh, scores, less whatever. I don't right. Fo- I don't follow gymnastics. I yeah, yeah. I mean, most people don't until the Olympics. I mean, that, right. That's the thing about Olympic sports. Like these people, that must be a weird come down. Like you know, mm-hmm. the whole world's watching, and then you got to go back to working at uh, Panera Bread. That's weird. Yeah. You're just a swimmer or like a shot put guy. Uh huh. You win a gold, and then you're just back to handing out buzzers. How much money do you make for a shot put? I don't think they make anything. From right. the Olympics. You win the Olympics and then then what? You then, just teach shot put to yeah. people that also can't make money? I uh I I have this new sports podcast. Um and uh um, You do? What's yeah. it called? Uh Undefeated. Who I, you I'm do sorry, it? it's not called Undefeated. You're lying. <laughs> sorry, I had a little He's I had lying. A, no, it's called Unleashed. I'm sorry. It's Jesus called Unleashed for Christ. uh for G uh Bed MGM <laughs> with me and uh, Olivia Harlan Decker and uh she's a sports journalist. But we interviewed Kerry Strong. Um Last week, and Who's she, she's the one in '96 uh, who like um, who lit, who like her ankle was done. She limped in, and then she needed a certain score for them to win gold, and then they won gold. Um, she did it with a bad ankle. She a lot did of people are comparing ankle. the situation. Oh, yeah, saying that that girl gutted it out. Yeah. Well, she was forced to by her coach, and yeah. then they're going to like that's the whole uh, bad coaching situation with gymnast gymnastics. Yeah, we interviewed her. She was all business. It wasn't a, you know, it was wasn't all a business interview. interview. Huh? Wasn't fun? I'm just saying it was all business. What do you mean? It was just a serious kind of interview. Was it live in person? No, Zoom. That's it's always weird. It's always weird in Zoom. Zoom's yeah. too disconnected. It was great. And she, you know, but she was saying that, uh, because there, you know, have you seen uh, Athlete A? The no. documentary? No. Dude, it's called Athlete A? It's like hard. It's disturbing. Like, these girls are abused. Like, that that dude Nasser, like um, molested like for f- twenty years with impunity. That's but, that, that's the doctor. The doctor right? from yeah. uh, I believe Michigan. He's on Team USA, and again it was like this, um, you know, bureaucratic cover up. Like there was complaints about him, and they they covered it up. They they you know they overlooked these. Um, Allegations, and it was like the dude was like a hardcore pedophile who was like molesting these women. I mean, these girls. I mean, a lot of them are girls. He's like, they're girls. I mean, they're young children. He was like inserting fingers in their anus and in their vaginas, and for years and years and years and years and years. And And, uh, you know, Simone Biles was part of that. All these girls testified against him, and um, that was before Carrie Strong's era didn't really deal with that, but they dealt with the Carolis. Who are like these? Uh, what are they? Romanian or something? Like the husband, wife, uh, coaches, and they were like abusive and brutal. But when we interviewed Carrie, she was like, you know, it was like she didn't seem like she was bothered by it. But these girls go through a lot, dude. They they uh, sacrifice a lot, and they are they're like pushed and abused with their bodies. And so Carrie Strong, the documentary portrays that moment. The athlete A documentary portrays that moment as like an abusive moment because her ankle was hurt. Uh, you know, and then she came down on the ankle and she was really hurt. But then like you can see the coach, the Carolis, they were like making her go back out there for that next, um, for the, what is it? The vault or whatever it's called. Uh, yeah, whatever. And she did it. And And she did it. And she got the score. As it turned out, she didn't even need that score for some reason. I don't understand gymnastics that well, but she did a heroic thing on that ankle and she had to be carried off and then put in a stand. And she was really hurt. 
So the, the documentary portrays it as abusive, but when we interviewed Carrie Strong, she kind of portrayed it as like she had to reach down deep and do it. Mm. So it's interesting. Well, that's a good way to look at it. You know, that's an empowered person, right? Mm-hmm. An empowered person looks at it like they figured out a way to, to summon the strength. Yeah. A disempowered person says it was abusive. I was abused. They told me to do it. I shouldn't have done it. Even though we won the gold, I shouldn't have done it. Right. But if what if her ankle's permanently damaged? What if you're limping for the rest of your life because right. some asshole coach wants you to do something? Right. So you can get a piece of metal around a cloth string. Right. That's no good either. It's weird. Especially when you're making a kid. Like, these gymnasts are like 14. Like, yeah. Making them make that decision. I mean, they don't really have agency at that age. And I think uh, that's what made the Carolis so controversial is because they were like robots for this, this uh, husband-wife coach team. And they made they pushed them really hard, and they separated them from their parents, and they make them do. I mean, to compete on that level and do that type of stuff, uh, who knows what kind of uh, sacrifices and sort of pushing that they need that yeah. may, you know, mentally too. Just, I mean, you watch some of what they do, you're going like, how's that humanly possible? Right. They're like landing on a bar this. Like a, it's like a six inches wide, and they're flipping on it and stuff like that. I mean, I'd have no dick if I did that. Why just fall on my dick? Well, a lot of dudes don't do it, do they? The dudes, dudes do, it do too. the the flips and everything oh, on the balance They do ball? all that shit. Yeah, yeah. The dudes do all that. Why do you only see girls on TV do it? Because it's hot, hotter. It's hotter. Yeah, I think it's hotter. But they're girls. But they're you girls. That's the creep. Problem. I know. How dare you? Well, say some hotter. of them are twenty four. One oh, of them was okay. forty. Well, twenty four. Twenty. Someone. One of them was forty six. Right. The old one was forty six, and that's that's old for gymnastics. But that's old for humans. For nah, forty six. Forty six to be doing that kind of shit. Oh, to be doing that kind of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your joints. Forty six years of flipping and landing and yeah. all the abuse it took. That's she looked good. pretty fucking good. For she a looked forty six year old. She looked good, but next to those girls, she looked ancient, which is because you know she was. Because she is. Compared to them, yeah. Compared to them, yeah. For that sport, for that sport, like as a fighter, a forty-six-year-old fighter is like Jesus Christ. Don't die in there, right? Well, George you know? Foreman was doing it in his forties. Yes, he was. He was doing. He it. won the heavyweight title at forty-five. He did against Michael Moore, yeah, against who Michael, was a beast. Who was a beast, yeah, yeah. And uh, so he can be done. How about Hopkins? Hopkins is a world champion, deep into his forties, almost fifty, yeah. I think. Yeah, he was beating world-class guys at fifty years old. Yeah, he had that like. Defense. He just had that style yes. where he figured out how to not get hit. He was so disciplined too. Like never fucked his body up. Never ate processed foods. Always exercised. Never got out of shape. Yeah. Still to this day. Tom Brady, forty three, forty four. That's unheard of. Yeah. To be still competing at that level. I know. Yeah. He doesn't eat anything inflammatory either. He, he's got. He must drink adrenochrome too. <laughs> <laughs> there must be an adrenochrome. Like they have like a Slurpee machine. Did you see that fucking? ridiculous moment where Biden gets uh, interviewed. They're asking him a question and uh, he said uh, well the Republicans think we uh, drink baby blood. Right, right. Like what? Uh-huh. Did you see that? Jay? I did see it. It's like what are you saying man? Why are you even bringing that up? Right. That Thou guy. doth protest too much. That guy's lost. Yeah. He's lost. It's sad. He's a... Uh... President Kamala. Say President it. Kamala. Say it. <laughs> you know what's funny is it's, it's sad because Kamala, she she was um, she was the one. She was one of the first people skeptical of the vaccine. When she's, I'm not checking oh, yeah. that Trump vaccine. Have you seen that video of them? Have you ever seen that video? Probably. Where they all talk about it. Joe Biden talks about it, not taking it. How has been? How's this being been vetted? Yeah, Have you seen man. that video? 
I, I might have, I don't remember it, but yeah, I mean, everything has consequences, man. You know, people do things for the short-term advantage for them, but then, you know, yeah. long-term, they're going like, how come people aren't taking the vaccine? It's like, dude, you were saying the vaccine was dangerous fucking... Yeah. When it was Trump's. When it was Trump's. Yeah. So you're the first ones to politicize it. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll find it. I got, a, I got a video in here of it. Kamala's, uh, her approval rating is not high, though, even amongst the Dems. It shouldn't be. Yeah. It'd be even lower if they went into her past. If they looked at her, uh, what she's done in terms of prosecuting people, what Tulsi Gabbard said during the um, uh, the debates, the vice presidential debates, she crushed presidential her. debates. It's that 100% moment, true. Yeah. That's yeah. What she said is 100% true. Yeah. She kept people after the time they were supposed to be released. And then Josh Dubin on this podcast talked about how she withheld evidence that would have exonerated prisoners. She, she fought to stop DNA evidence from being introduced into a case that would have exonerated defendants. Brutal. Yeah. That was her DA's office, right? Like yeah. she was the DA in San Francisco? Yeah. I mean, they look, man, it's a sport and they try to win. That's what it's like. When you are dealing with someone who's a, a prosecuting attorney, what those people are doing is trying to win. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they do. They win. And the way to win is by whatever means necessary, whatever means you have at your disposal. One of the best ways to do that is to, you know, to if you have some evidence that will make a guy seem innocent, hide that shit. Right. Put it away. Get rid of it. That's the gross thing about cops in general is that cops are trying to get like a lot of cops will talk about this. And it's I don't think it's supposed to be legal, but they have mandates like you're supposed Quartus. to arrest. A, yeah, you're supposed to. You have a quota of so many people you're supposed to arrest. And I always said, like, what if nobody did any crime for, like, six months? What would they do? Right. What would if all crime stopped and the cops have these quotas? How would the cops be treated? Would they say, hey, good job, everybody? Would they be treated like firefighters? Right, because firefighters, they take these fucking long 24-hour shifts. They hang out in the fire department. They lift weights. They cook. Yeah. They hang out. They're good cooks, too, which oh, is funny. a lot of them are like, really a, like a, you know, a real tough guy. Be like, let's do tonight's chicken franchise. Yeah. <laughs> And they put a little parsley yeah, on it. Yeah, tonight we're doing it. It's my mother's recipe. I'm yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't, don't do anything. But no one's saying, hey, you got to put out a certain amount of fires every day. Right. Because, you know, they're hoping there's no fires. Right. But they're never hoping there's no crime. No, I remember that was like a big problem in Ferguson, is that they were like uh, harassing those residents to fill quotas, you know, yeah. jaywalking and bullshit. Yeah. That if you did that in a white neighborhood, they'd be like, do you know how my father is? Like, they wouldn't go for it. Cops in a lot of places are glorified revenue collectors because they're trying to get money for speeding. They're trying to get money for all these different things. It's it's not just as simple as you're trying to stop crime. I'm ch I'm here to serve and protect. That's not what it is. That's a that's a great way to put it. They yeah. are they kind of there to get money for the city in in some ways, and they're yeah. instructed to do so. How much money do you think is generated in a place like Los Angeles just from speeding tickets? It's probably absurd. Yeah. It's probably absurd. Yeah. Probably off the charts. Yeah. Speeding tickets, traffic violations. Right, right. Los Angeles, I think, it might be higher with like parking than speeding. Oh, yeah. They're fucking collecting. Oh, they're brutal. Yeah. They they're do brutal. that in New York, too. New York is crazy with the parking. Oh, they're fucking horrific. Yeah, the whole the, the street sweeping scam where they just like push around dust. They make you double park on another side, and then they, yeah. the street sweeper comes by and you just push his leaves around. And if you leave, if you you gotta like wake up early enough to yes. move your car. If not, you're paying a ticket. Yeah, living in the city like that, parking on the street is rough. Oh, dude! Now that I live in the country, I can't even believe I used to do that. 
It's Where crazy. are you living now? Don't tell specifically. Yeah, I'm like listen. in the country, like in the upstate. Woods. Yeah, in the, the woods. The forest. Yeah, the forest. Where the rocks are. I the big a, rocks. Yeah. And the trees. I live in How a, far is it to you to get in the city? About an hour 15. Mm. But like I got bears. I'm like living there. Like horses everywhere. Bears. There's bears. Bear shit in my backyard. You ever eat a bear? No. I have not eaten a bear. Bears taste good. Yeah? It tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> it's odd. It's what have you eat? You, you're ready to survive if things. You know how to eat. I don't know how to eat a bear. It's not hard to eat a bear. No? I could cook some bear for you. Yeah? Yeah. You come over there. I don't have any bear. Would you do it on the Traeger right grill? Now. 100%. Right. 100%. With some I jalapenos? Make sure, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd want to make sure it's cooked. Uh, you gotta. It's got to be above... 145 for a long period of time. Like the best way to do bear is to apparently, I'm learning this. Uh, my friend Clay Newcomb schooled me on this as well. Uh, the thing you have to worry about is trichinosis. Anytime you're eating an animal. Right, the predator it, thing. Yes. Right. So with trichinosis, you want to make sure that you're cooking it to at least 145 degrees. Really, it's the same thing as pork. They want you to cook it to 165, although they've kind of backed that down with domestic domestic pork right. because there's, they really don't have an opportunity to get trichinosis. They're not out in the wild. But wild pork, you definitely want to get it a little higher. And um, you do sous vide. So you take it in a sous vide bag and you, you, ever, you know what sous vide is? You know no. what that means? No. Sous vide is uh, they take these bags, like a plastic bag, you seal the meat in a bag. Generally you do it with some seasoning and maybe some butter or something like that. And then you dip it in water and you put a wand in the water. See if you can pull up Jewel sous vide. I forget how you spell it. Wait, so there's a risk if you have bear or wild that you'll die from the trigonosis. No, no, you won't die. You right. just it sucks. You get you real get sick, real achy, and your muscles hurt, and it eventually goes away. But uh, a couple of my buddies got trichinosis. It's not. They said it, he said it was not that bad. Right. But he said it's not fun. But he said it's like illuminating. Like oh, it's not it's what I thought it was. You um. But if you ever ate my friend, you would get trichinosis. If I ate your friend. Yeah, you get it from him because it stays in the body. Oh. Like these little spores. There it is. So that's uh, J-O-U-L-E. I got one of these things. They're awesome. And so you put in a pot of water, and then you heat the water. The water heats to 145 degrees, and you could cook it at that temperature for hours. Some guys do it like they'll do 120 for a, like a, a good piece of like a venison shank where it's like a tough piece of meat. You put it in the sous vide, and you'll cook it like a venison shoulder, for instance, which has a lot of um, fascia and connective tissue. You cook it at 125 degrees for 12, 13 hours, maybe more, and then all that stuff breaks down becomes incredibly tender. Then when you take it out, you sear it on the outside. You take like a cast iron frying pan, and you put like some lard in there or some, um, some um, tallow, some beef tallow sear it on there and then you cut it off and slice it and oh my god wow. so tender and delicious because it's just been sitting at that temperature that perfect temperature where it's cook it doesn't overcook because it doesn't it can't get any warmer right right like if you cook something on a grill you're cooking it at 265 degrees you eat a 265 degrees piece of meat it's done it's fucked up right that's right. that's that's shoe leather so at 265, you want to have a thermometer in that bitch to make sure it gets to like 120. Then you pull it, and then you sear it on the outside. That's what I do. But with uh, the sous vide, you sit it in there for hours and hours and hours, and it becomes just like a butter. Like, so tender. Just so falls tender. apart in your mouth. Yeah, and then yeah. when you get it out of there, and then you sear it. Yeah. Or you could take it on like one of those Traeger Rangers where it has like the flat cast iron flat thing and you sear it on that bad boy. I feel bad eating a bear though. Fuck bears. They eat kids. 
They do. Bears are assholes. It's not their fault, they though. eat their own kids. How about that? Do they? Fuck yeah. Pricks. I watched it. Yeah. I've seen them eat babies. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen them eat babies, but I've seen babies that they ate. I've seen like paws yeah. from like cubs. Yeah, there's this, I saw this one video of a polar bear just like chasing. Um, oh yeah, a little baby. And polar the mother bear. was trying to like stop it, yep. but it was like no can't cannibalism stop it. runs rampant. But it's it's because the, they're hungry though. It's hard to. That's the thing about nature. Nature documentaries, they portray them as like 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 the predators is like mean, and you're always rooting for like the the antelopes or whatever. But it's like it's they they fail most of the time. Predators fail most of the time. Oh yeah. So if you if you put it in that context, you'd almost be happy for them when they got one because like a, a million of them got away that you don't see. You know the media. I'm telling you, the media. It's the fucking media. It's the fucking media. But it's also you have to have the predators, otherwise the prey animals would be they would overrun the earth. Yeah. If nothing's eating them, and you have situations like New Zealand where they have to fly over these herds of invasive species animals that they reintroduce to this country. They introduced a bunch of uh, stags and all these different animals, and occasionally they get so overpopulated they have to fly over and gun them down from helicopters. Right. It's because the there's no predators. Wild hogs in Texas, right? There's just too many of them. Exactly. Yeah. I got a video I'll show you of this mountain lion trying to chase down, I think it was a, uh, I think it's a wild sheep, and catches it, and as it's catching it, it goes over the side of a cliff with this fucking thing. It's wild. Mountain lions are killed like wholesale because they take your dog, right? Like, uh, but those oh, are- yeah. Those they're are, not killed wholesale in California. No. In California, they just let them run rampant. Where they're killed uh, a lot is in Texas. You don't in Texas. You don't even have to have a license. You don't have to have anything. You just whack them. They're big though, man. Oh they're yeah, man. This is the vi that's the video, Jamie. You're the man. Um, let's see if re rewind it from a different. So he's chasing after it. He catches them. Watch him Fuck. go off the side of the cliff. Boom! Oh. <laughs> oh, it's not a mountain lion. It's a snow leopard. Watch this. Oh! Boom! Boom! Oh. Boom! Fuck. 400 feet off a cliff. They're both dead, right? No, the cat still survives, man. That's what's crazy. Look at the end. The cat still has him. Fuck. That is just... I mean, imagine that's your life. That's how you eat. Uh, it's got to be. Boom. I mean, yeah. look how he hits the ground. Cats are so fucking resilient. They are really amazing animals. They're like the most beautiful killers. Oh, yeah. Well, they kill. They don't like the thing about wolves and bears and a lot of those other animals. They hold things down and just start eating. Yeah. Cats kill first. Yeah. Which is cool. That's kind of cool. It's nice. Yeah, it's when nice you watch about. hyenas start to eat something alive, you're going like, that's a little bit of a dick move. A huge dick move. Yeah. yeah. Like Komodo dragons, that's a dick move. They bite you and wait. Yeah, they wait and they hang out. and then they, they know just... that the poison from their saliva, all the fucking horrible shit inside their mouth, it slowly starts to... I forget if Komodo dragons have toxic saliva, if it's a poison, like if it's a venom or if it's actually I think just it's a the, bacteria. Yeah, yeah, it's one or the other. They're just filthy, disgusting, naughty bitches. Yeah, slimy fucks. They got yeah. slime coming out of their mouth. Yeah, they're brutal. Dude. You ever seen their mouth when they open their mouth up and it's just dripping slime like that Venom yeah. in that cartoon that uh, Marvel Comics guy Venom? Like, yeah, yeah. With yeah. The teeth and the fucking slime. They're evil. It both. It's both Venom and the bacteria. Oh, double whammy. Yeah. The reptiles just don't give a fuck, man. They don't no. have feelings. It's horrible. Cats neither. It says that it was venom, not toxic bacteria. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I'm wrong. It is venom. I well, I, I guarantee you, though, if you put a swab in their mouth, it's not going to come back I clean. Know, yeah. <laughs> it's not Purell in there. <laughs> no.
It yeah. says uh, blood poisoning caused by multiple strains of bacteria in the dragon saliva. So I guess that is bacteria. Ugh. But yeah. Oh, it's long thought. Sorry, long thought. Now a new study says. They're vicious. They they stalk you right. Then they'll bite and then just follow you around until you start to uh, get paralyzed from their poison, and then they just start eating you alive. It's tough to watch. It's a rough life. Yeah, they're scary. Uh, Sharon Stone's boyfriend got bit on the foot by a Komodo dragon once at the zoo. What was he doing that close to a Komodo dragon? Not only was he he's close to a Komodo dragon, but he had his shoes off. I forget what happened, but I think the Komodo dragon thought that his sock. Like his white sock was a rabbit or something like right. that and bit his foot and fucked him up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to go through what the wow. prey animals go through. What's that, Jamie? Uh, this is not for viewing online, but you guys can enjoy it with me. Why can't we view it online? Because it's very graphic and not yeah, our video. I mean, is that a monkey? Yeah. Oh, bro. It's still alive. It grabs its head here. Oh, yeah. go, go from the beginning. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. <laughs> Take it from the beginning, That's please. the beginning right there. Uh, so he just grabs him by the head. Yeah. The monkey's like, no, 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 yeah. no. He just starts swallowing. The monkey's, the monkey's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. Let mm. me get a do-over. Yeah, let, let's, let's talk for a second. Look how he's swallowing it, too. Yeah. Just choking it back. Look at the monkey's hands. Yeah. He's still moving still his hands moving. like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Swallowing it whole. It, the thing yeah, about monkeys, chewing. too, is they're smart. So the monkey knows what's going on. Yep. It is very much alive. Right. Look at his hand. Yeah, his hand coming out of the mouth. Like, hey, let me out, bro. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is incredible, dude. They are. Look at the eyes. Just soulless creeps. Cold. All they're there is to clean up. Yeah. They're there to clean up. They're there to make sure that things don't overpopulate. That's literally their role in nature. And that's what's so fascinating about nature is that the, the mm. ecosystem, and that there's a bat, look at his fucking so heartless up. eyes, right? <laughs> it's just the teeth, stick, or the hands and a tail sticking oh, out. Oh, look at the foot. <laughs> the foot with the thumb. You, like your next. Yes, your next. Good blink. Yeah, they're the most terrifying to me. Reptiles. Yeah, Yeah, reptiles, reptiles lizards, you know, crocodiles. Crocodiles, I think, are the most terrifying because they're so aggressive and they move fast. Yeah. But these things are pretty fucking gross. Look at that fucking thing, too. Look at his neck. Just all filled up with monkey. Yeah. He's full. He's got the itis now. He's got the tail pop. Look at the slime. That, that fucking gross, <laughs> juicy slime that comes out of his mouth. He's still got the tail out. He hasn't finished chewing. He's drooling like a baby teething. Yeah, he can't fit it in all the way. <laughs> Look. Oh, God, he's so disgusting. Just blood on the side of his face. Clean yourself up. I wonder what they taste like. Monkeys? No. Or dragons. Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely going to have to. I wonder if it's delicious. Caught a deer. That must have been. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know if they could chase him down. Yeah, Dude, there's, there's videos of them with, like, big uh, buffalo or something, and just, like, eating a part yeah, of it. Just You're chewing just, you just watch out of it. The buffalo just looking around. <laughs> and just pulling intestines yeah. out. I mean, Bro. the Komodo dragons could care less. They're yeah. just biting. This guy had a really good point. He was uh, talking about cows. And he was like, people say it's unnatural to eat cows. He goes, no, it's very, very natural to eat cows. He goes, if you left cows wild, none of them live to be old age. Right. He goes, none of them die of old age. Zero percent. All of them get eaten and killed by predators. And it's a slow, horrible, painful death. He goes, when people raise cows, especially if people raise cows humanely, he goes, those cows live a wonderful life and they have one bad day. I don't, know, I don't want to focus on this, but right here on this, he's eating a boar. Yeah. It looks like he's sniffing out a particular part and then starts going after the inside. Do you know what it might be, like liver? 
Probably. Something. Look, yeah, he's looking for the guts. Maybe he's just a foodie and he wants like the yeah, he wants the guts. He wants the good stuff. Oh God! Oh, starts getting in Fucking there. Just, yeah. Oh look at the. Oh, he's the, alive. Of oh, course yeah. it is. Oh yeah. Oh, geez, he's holding down his legs. Yeah, it's just a just rough day. Guts first. Oh Jesus Let's fucking Christ! And the thing is already poisoned, right? Yeah. He's already bit it. So, he, oh, no, we got to. Yeah, oh Jesus! And look at it breathing. Like it could get up and run away if it yeah. wasn't for the poison. And now he's got a goddamn yeah. hole in it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we're so soft, Giannis. We're so lucky. We're so lucky that people before us figured out houses and, and spears and uh, guns and weapons. And You know, they say that um, the reason why little kids are scared of monsters and not child molesters or bullets or car accidents, little kids are scared of monsters because there's like a deep primate response to cats. We're afraid of big cats at night. Because that's what killed our ancestors. Interesting. And that information is is in a child's brain. Right. The same way like a dog knows to piss on a tree. You don't have to tell a dog. Right. Right? Dog sees a squirrel, immediately goes after him. There's like some deep set instinct. Even my dog, which is like the friendliest, sweetest dog, my golden retriever, he sees a squirrel and he's like, Wah! Yeah. He like he wants to go after that What's fucking squirrel. Kill he can't it. Help it. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Jamie, why? It's a pinata. There's a lot of candy in there. Oh, Jesus, look at it. It's still alive, and he just pulled out a hunk of his guts. Yeah. That's a gnarly video for everyone is, to watch dude. later. Hyenas do that, too. What's the title of the Komodo video? Komodo dragon eats wild boar alive, not for sensitive viewers. Oof. And that was posted recently. So. Meanwhile, why is that okay on YouTube, but you can't have vaccine disinformation? <laughs> <laughs> You, know, you can't have anything to say. Up until recently, you couldn't have anything to say that the the virus came from a lab. They would pull it down. Yeah, they let those up now. I wonder if they re put them back. All those YouTube videos they took down because they said the virus leaked from a lab. Well, Facebook didn't allow you for months. They mm -hmm. were like deactivating your accounts and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, for the truth. And then John Stewart comes on and does that great joke. It's so funny on Colbert. Where Colbert, you can see Colbert doesn't know what to do. He's like panicking. Yeah, he's panicking. Isn't it disappointing? It was disappointing. It, it was. was like, um, and it was like, you could see everyone going, like, you could probably see, like, censors going, can't compute. John Stewart, liberal hero, saying this, can't compute, yes. meltdown. What do we do here? Can't I censor it. I know. But I mean, Colbert is essentially trying to kill the bit. He's he trying is. to kill the bit. He's trying to kill the bit. And if that was, was your friend, like, if you went on a guy's podcast and you were saying something like that and you saw him try to kill the bit, you'd be like, what? Like, if you and Joe List are sitting there yeah. and Joe List starts to kill your bit, you'd be like, Joe, what the fuck are you doing? Stepping on my shit, yeah. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. I'd be like, Stepping on this great bit. Yeah, totally. You know, if you're sitting there across from Ari Shafir and you guys are talking and Ari starts killing your bit, you'd be like, bro. I'd be excited that he wasn't saying something else about a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> or pulling his dick out. Yeah. He asked me, he asked me recently, he's like, dude, why do you go to Austin so much? I said, dude, because, you know, being friends with you is dangerous. I got to dip out of town once in a while when the, when the bloods and crips get hot on me. <laughs> he's going to come here too. He knows it. <laughs> He was here a couple weeks ago. He's like, it's fucking great here. I go, yeah, yeah. it's fun, right? Yeah, He's like, well, think about it. You can't go to L.A., so might as well come here. Um, Kobe have, never played for a team here, right? No. I have news about uh, the club I'm opening. I'll tell you as soon as we get wow. off the air, but we got good news. Lot, lot, I got some good shit happening. I'd like to hear it, yeah. God, it took forever. It's been, it's, and I'll explain everything. I got to do it off air, unfortunately. I'll explain everything because I should have had a club opened already. It was the, 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 the idea was to be open July 4th weekend. Right. But... Whew, Becoming a club owner is fucking complicated. And I used to tell comics all the time, please 
be nice to these club owners because they always treated the club owners like in the beginning it was like you know oh they're not paying me what I'm worth or they won't headline me or they, they won't give me a chance or they don't give me any work and then eventually it became you know like when you start doing well you realize like oh this is their business this is how they make money you should look at it correctly and what I always always tell them like you don't want to be a club owner right who wants to deal with us I don't want to deal with a bunch of comics. Crazy people. Deal, you want to deal with uh, f fucking just wild people that w want to do drugs and stay up all night and they show up the next day and they forget their jokes and come on. You, do you want to deal with that? No. No. And you, you got to sell tickets to these fucking crazy people? You're going to tickets to see these wild people tell nutty jokes? No. Be nice to them. You don't want to be a club owner. Right. Now that I'm becoming a club owner, I'm realizing it's even more complicated than that. The business end of it, just commercial real estate, right. the regulations, the hoops, environmental concerns. I'll tell you about that. Right. We'll talk about that after the show because right. that's what happened with me. Right. Like environmental issues. You're like, what? Especially for you. I mean, you're a busy guy. So yeah. this is like a one of many things you do. Yeah. So. But it's important to me. It's yeah. very important. Part of the whole project about moving to Austin, I had this 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 plan. And one big part of the plan is not just get, you know, a podcast studio established, get everything going, help all the other comics out and try to boost everybody's signal. The big plan is to have like a, a, a fantastic comedy club, which is only exists for comedy. I just want to break even. I'm not trying to make any money with this comedy club. Right. I want it to be the best place for comics to perform, where you make great money, where you have a great time, everybody takes care of you from top to bottom, and there's no worry about like cutting corners or pinching pennies, there's none of that, there's none of that. Everyone's treated like fucking gold. And I want you to feel, I want everybody to feel so comfortable. That's, that's my goal. It's my 100% everybody, from management to bartenders to everybody. You're treated like gold, you make great money, you got great healthcare coverage, everything's taken care of. Healthcare coverage. I want to tell. I want to take care there. of comics. Yeah. I want to take care of comics. I know so many comics that don't have healthcare. I want to give them healthcare. I want to. I want to just across the board. My whole goal is to not make money. Right. My whole goal is to not lose money. That's it. Well, you don't need. I mean, te I mean, yeah. technically, uh, you're yeah, in a good that's, position that's to say why, that. Yeah. That's, but that's why I want to do it. <laughs> it's that a beautiful way. thing, man. You've helped so many comics as is. If it wasn't for this show, there's, you know, there's no other alternative for guys who really want to be funny. Like you know, like. To get wild. To get wild and be uncensored and be funny. Like, there's no platform. You've done that uh, for, for comics. It's well, a great it's, thing. It's because I don't listen. You know, I don't listen to the, the people that, you know, like when you go through steps of progress and steps of, uh, you know, like financial success and popularity success, like it comes to a point in time where you, you go into this rarefied air where everybody starts to play it safe. Right. They go, hey, we're dealing with very large sponsors right there's a right, lot of right, money right, at stake right. here right. and i don't think you should have alex jones on anymore right. and i'm like nope he's coming on next week and we're getting drunk <laughs> Woo! and you, you gotta do it that way it's right. the same thing with kill tony you know I, I tell everybody like like fitzsimmons was on yesterday we we're talking about how he did kill tony on monday night and uh there's a guy in the fucking green room handing out mushrooms everybody's doing mushrooms Greg got so high, he goes, I didn't even know what I was saying while I was saying it. Everyone's barbecued. They went on stage. This guy, Hans Kim, who came on the show last night, was fucking hilarious. This young kid who's uh, on Kill Tony all the time. He opened up for me last night. He's going on uh, tonight, the same thing. He uh, met some girl. Like They said at the show, 
they said, who wants to have sex with this man? And this girl came on stage. She goes, I'll have sex with him. And so her boyfriend was there. And she goes, the boyfriend's cool. He, he just wants to be there while it happens. Like, what? <laughs> so he and the girl sneak off into a fucking janitor's closet and fuck while the show's going on. Like, wow. this is happening. Wow. This is wild shit. The yeah. jokes are hilarious, but it's like, there's chaos. chaos. Like, it's chaos. Wow. But everybody's nice. Yeah. They're all nice. They're all nice people having a good time. Right. And, like, that's what I want to cultivate. I want to cultivate people wild comedy. <laughs> wild shit. Come down to Joe's. But be nice. Be nice. If everybody's somebody, nice. If somebody gets fucked in the bathroom while the hey, show's going on. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> It's a, everybody's willing. It's like they decided to do it. They, yeah. they had a good time. Yeah. Fun. Wow, that's a wild night. That's a wild show. It's the cornerstone for comedy in Austin. It really is, you know, because it allows open micers to have this unique opportunity to do one minute in front of Ron White or Tim right. Dillon or, have you done it? Have you I done haven't it? done it yet, yeah. God damn, he's, you gotta do it. He's asked me about it. I just, yeah, I gotta do it. Next time you come on, let's organize yeah. it so that you'll come on on a Monday yeah. and you and I will go on together. Oh, that'd be great. That's what yeah. we'll do. We'll, we'll have you on next time. You'll do the show on Monday and then Monday night we'll go and do Kill Tony. That sounds great. Fuck, it's yeah. the cornerstone of this community. It really is. Right. It gives comics a real opportunity to and they yeah. can really like William Montgomery. He's opened for me before Genevieve. She's opened for me before Hans Kim He opened for me last night a right. lot of these comics David Lucas, right? David Lucas is funny funny yeah, David funny Lucas is a killer. Yeah, he's a killer. And he's a good dude yeah. He's a fun dude to be around yeah. He's a good dude too because like Tony and him crack on each other and when Tony gets him he laughs loud right, right. Loud and hard yeah. which is a sign of a good guy. Yeah a guy who takes a hit. Yeah, like and laughs Yeah, like, like Tony will say something to him. And he's like ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's just it's it's a beautiful environment where comics get a chance and comics have gone on to have legitimate like Ali Makovsky She's got a legitimate career. She's mm -hmm. headlining. Mm -hmm. She goes on the road. She's headlining now it's amazing, and yeah. it started out from Kill Tony. Yeah, and it's cool that it's live, and it's comedy fans, yeah. and it's um, it's not on TV. It's kind of grassroots, which is yeah. how things go now. Well, they tried to do it on Comedy Central for a while, and Comedy Central didn't take it, and I'm glad they didn't because they would have changed it. You know, they would have look they, they, look. they have executives, and those executives have mortgages, and they have families, and they have kids in private school, right. and they don't want to fuck it up. They no. don't want anybody fucking anybody in some janitor's closet. Right? Hey, 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 hey! <laughs> don't say that. Right, right? Can you edit that out? Can you edit that part out? Right. right. Or Hans fucked a girl in the closet. Right. Right. Yeah. That wouldn't happen on there. That's the thing about having a podcast like this. It's like if you do it like this the entire time and never stop doing it the same way. Right. He's never changed how you do it. Yeah. It's hard because you get a lot of resistance. There's a lot of resistance. But you got to cut all that resistance out. You got to figure it out a way. I have the best managers. That's one of the beautiful things about it. Is my, the managers know. They know who I am. They know what I do. They love me. I love them. And it just works. Right. They don't. They, they don't take, try to tell you anything. They don't tell me anything. Yeah. And they take care of everything. They right. take care of all the business aspect of it and leave me going. Right. And I've been with them for so long. I've been with my manager for thirty years. That's almost unique. He found yeah. me when I was an open micer. Yeah. Dude, we don't even have a contract. Right. That's deal. unique. Yes. Yeah. He's my. He's family. Right. And so is Chandra. She's they're, they're both of them. They're a team. They're family. Right. So it's like for me, it's it's the best. Because I'm just completely relaxed right. in that department. And I don't have to think. Like when I go on vacation, like I went on vacation last week, I don't pay attention to anything. Right. I just lay around the beach. I drink margaritas. I play with my kids. I just fucking go in the water and snorkel and shit. Right. I'm not thinking. you know. And that's so important to be free. 
Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard because you want to read things and you want to find out what's going on and how are the ticket sales in Boise. You know, you start thinking thinking of things like, how's that going? How's this going? Right. But you can't. You can't. You can't concern yourself with it. The only thing you got to do is do your best. Do your best at what you do. And the more you pay attention to outside of what you do, like how other people are viewing what you do and what you should do or shouldn't do to get this amount of money or that thing or this new advertiser doesn't like you saying cunt, like, ugh. You can't. Right. You can't. It'll ruin it. It's hard when you're coming up, like when you're, uh, it's hard not to think about the ticket sales. That's the dream to not yeah. think about the ticket sales, just know and go and have fun and just think about the jokes. But it's hard to get to that point, guys. It's very hard. You need a platform. You need yeah. somebody to put you on. You need a show, something to. That's what I want to help with. Yeah. That's that's my goal with comics, to just take these talented people that have a dream and give them, give them a hand. Reach up. Reach up. Come on up. Come on up here. Let's all do this together. Right. You know, and, and, and the beautiful thing about the podcast world is that everybody supports everybody. And the people that don't, these weird island people, meaning these people that live in an island separate from the community of comedy, they only want it to be about themselves. The only relationships they have with comics are these comics that open for them, that are always below them. They don't have like intimate relationships with people that are their peers. They're creeps. Yeah, what is up with that? Why? Selfish, selfish. Yeah, but it's crazy because you're, it's like the dream. It's, it's like dream. why wouldn't, would you rather an industry person or a booker tell you you're great or would you rather another comic be like, you're great, let me help you. That's like yeah. the dream. And that there's no competition that, uh, because it used to be all guys were competing for a few spots. Right. So I understand that there was competition because like to get booked, you have yeah. to be one of a few. But now it's wide open. The internet yeah. is like the universe. It's, it's beautiful. It's endless. So but you some can guys, share. there's still competition, right? They look at other guys who are doing podcasts. Like they'll look at the iTunes ratings and maybe they'll be numbered blah, blah, blah. And someone's one above them and they're like fuck how's he there right i should be number three right he's number three i should be number three and right. they get mad why am i not number one right fucking new york times or fucking this and that and they get crazy right you get crazy and you start you think about things that are not important right like I, when i was on news radio one time we were all sitting around and um we were, they were talking about uh they, they would all read variety and the Hollywood Reporter, and I, I would call those things the devil's rag. Like, you guys are reading the devil's rag again. Why are you reading that shit? And they were complaining that Friends, you know, like Friends always had this amazing time slot. It was like Seinfeld and Friends. And then there was some show shoved in there, like Cal Caroline in the City. And the single guy, do you remember those shows? Yeah. Do you? I do remember them, yeah. I didn't watch them, but Nobody I remember Nobody watched them. Yeah. They would, with, uh, Paul Sims, the producer of uh, News Radio, the creator, executive producer of News I Radio. I watch News Radio. He used, to, he used to call those shows the shit sandwich because they, they were, were sandwiched yeah. in between these great shows. Mm. And uh, I remember we were all sitting around and everybody was going, God, why can't we be on Thursday night after Friends? And, uh, and they were complaining about this stuff. And I go, hey, guys, last time I checked, we're on TV. Right, right. I go, right. we're on TV. Right. We have a fucking TV show. Right. Like, we're on, like, season three right, 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 of a right. TV show. We get paid. Right, right. Like, I think I was making, like, 25 grand a week. I was like, this is wild. Right. This is crazy. When you start looking other places and comparing yourself to other yeah. people, that's when you start fucking yourself. I've heard that friends, the people from Friends are making a million a week. And I was like. Right. A million? Right, right. A million a week. Right. You get angry. <laughs> yeah. You know, you get angry. It's, but it's it's all in perspective. It's just It's a tough it's it's tough when you're starting not to to not do that. Yeah. Like I've started a new podcast called Long Days and like I'm just focused on it, 
but it's hard because I'm starting to not look at other people and go like, fuck, I'm behind. It's, you yeah. know, it's not going to work. It's tough, but then you have to just... Like when you make it, it's easy. When you when you when your seats are sold, you yeah. don't. You it's easy to do that. Yeah. But when you're trying to climb, you do end up looking at other places as markers for success, and then you become aware that you're not there. You you do, but I think that focus on other stuff it takes away from the focus that you have on doing the best job. Totally. And I think the real success comes from the grind. You just got to grind yeah. every day. You got to just keep doing the same thing and do it the best you can every day and ultimately trust in the process. And after time, you see success. Right. But when people say, like, what is the difference between your podcast and other podcasts? I'm like, first of all, I don't know. Like, re realistically, <laughs> I'd say I know, but I don't it, know. Yeah. I just did it. Yeah. But the thing that does stand out that I could say definitely is when everybody else was doing one a week or one every two weeks, I was doing three a week or four a week. I was doing a lot of them. And what made you decide to do that? Is it just something you wanted to do, or were you because did you were conscious? Were you conscious that other people weren't doing it, or did you just do it? Was you a little to? bit of it was conscious that other people weren't doing it. Another thing I was saying is not hard; it's fun to do. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, give them more content, and then they'll become addicted to it. Right. Like the whole thing is give them what they enjoy and give them a lot of it. Right. And then like if you like, I was always thinking about like Opie and Anthony or Howard Stern or something. Like, they do it every day. Right. Like, why not do it every day? Right. Do it as many days as you can. Right. And then once the show started getting popular, it was helping guys with ticket sales. It was easy to get people to come on. Right. Because for the first few, it was like Segura. I'd have guys come on. They didn't even want to do it. Like Segura, there's a funny fucking clip where Segura was talking about it uh, on the the Comedy Store documentary where he was saying in the beginning, I was like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> like, why are you doing this? Like, you have a TV show in here. You're fucking alone in your house in yeah. some weird room with us smoking pot and <laughs> talking shit into some weird internet show. Yeah. But I had an idea. I was like, I think if you just keep going, it could be bigger. Right. Like if you keep going, it'll reach more people. If you keep going, you'll get better at it. Right. And then eventually it'll be something that, I mean, I didn't think it would ever make any money. That's what's crazy. Right. I thought at the most it would do is like, it would help ticket sales on the road. Right. Then we got a sponsor, the Fleshlight. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that was the first sponsor. Yeah, I remember the flesh. That yeah. fucking tube that you, you have sex with. Yeah, you fuck it. Yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. You ever fuck one of those <laughs> you things? Fuck it. I oh, fuck yeah. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's not cheating, technically, if you're fucking a flesh. So. No. It feels like you're cheating, yeah. though. It feels so good. <laughs> Especially when you, you just like uh, you soak it in warm water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you soaked it in warm water. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You soak uh, it in warm you water. Treat it like it feels bear. Like, it feels yeah. Like a treat it like bear meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just sous vide it. You just did a fucking free ad for them. Dude, we, I did a hundred ads for them at yeah. least, hundreds. Yeah, we did constant ads for them, and every one of them would be like these long, rambling discussions of of nutting <laughs> yeah. into these weird rubber tubes. It's not even rubber. I don't even know what's what's made out of some weird gelatin or something like that. It feels very, very realistic. It does, huh? Yeah, yeah I've never fucked one, but I I'm not opposed to it. I'm you should curious. Try it. Yeah, maybe I'll get one. There's but, something about it being contained in that can too that keeps it tight. Yeah. You know, there's only so much expansion, <laughs> right? Feel me? There's no babies coming in there. That's right. Oh, coming out of there to stretch. Clean it, out. it up, yeah. though. Yeah. Don't be lazy. Do you put hot butter in there? Or like, do you? How do you make it warm? Soak it in water. But when you take it out, it's dry. I mean, you, you need some. But it's warm. Yeah, but you need some fluid oil. in there. They have oil. They have like lubes. Uh, squirt lube in there. Nothing's better than the real thing, though. No, no. of course not. Self-lubricating holes. Well, also people liking you and wanting to have sex with you. That's, yeah, that's a big a part good of it. One. There's a body attached yes. to it. You well, didn't and feel and a little and a weird? Personality. Yeah, you feel a little weird. You feel weird. like Ed Gein for a second? You know when you feel weird? Right after you come. You're like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> yeah. 
You know? It's <laughs> <laughs> these, you're like, oh, this feels so good. <laughs> and you're like, ugh, get your shit together, loser. It's so funny how how out the door reason is while you're jacking off yeah. and then how quickly it rushes in when you're done. Yeah, well, that's the you thing about- You just see yourself there. There's fucking, you're like, your pants are around your ankles and you just, you have, for some reason, you have this moment, you, mm-hmm. you see yourself. It's like a moment where you just go like, ugh. It's the biological trick. You know, the biological trick where you, your body wants to get rid of cum. Yeah. As quickly as possible. I mean, that's why there's so many humans. That's why there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. It's because yeah. people want to get rid of cum. Yeah. And your your body has you convinced that this is the most important thing for you to do right now. Yeah. There's no feeling like it. I mean, people blow their whole lives away with oh, bad yeah. decisions for it. Yeah. Oh, my God, do that. Yeah. Yeah, really wealthy people. Yes. Look at fucking Bezos, right? Yeah. He loses, what did he lose, like $39 billion in his divorce settlement? Yes. But his new gal is smoking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, She's a predator. Yeah. You look at her and you're like, Jesus. That's an alpha predator female. Yeah, but the, the pussy, the puss puss oh got to have Puss puss is probably incredible because oh, girls like that, sure. you got to respect. They know that that's their job. Like, I think gold diggers don't get enough credit. That's what I'm saying. They put a lot of work into that. Why don't they teach that? They if should. If you think about business school, yeah. like, what's, like, what is a great business move? Like, there's things that people will teach you. They'll teach you startups. Like, startups don't always work. How about restaurant businesses? Mm-hmm. There's, there's schools on restaurants. 60% of them fail. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. very difficult to start a restaurant. But there's a, a, a thought about doing a restaurant as a business. Mm-hmm. Stockbrokers, they don't give a fuck about the companies. They're just trying to make money, right? right? They're just moving things. And, sh- and the whole idea is to gain money in your portfolio, right? right? That's the whole thing. But gold digging is a, a huge way to make money if you're good at it. Oh, yeah. If you think about successful now i'm not saying that every woman who got divorced from her husband and made a shit ton of money mm-hmm. is a gold digger but literally most millionaires and billionaires that are females are from divorce yeah no yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's not even debatable right like what percentage of the richest women in the world come from divorce it's a lot. There's some there's some women that are self-made. Don't Oprah. get me wrong. Oprah. Oprah's self-made. The lady who started that Bumble, that website, yeah. self-made. The twins, the Olsen twins. I don't know about that. They're kids. Yeah, but they have like a massive company. They become, they like, uh, they're close to oh. billionaires. Oh, after they started after. something new? After oh. when they started their shit, yeah. Like what, but what percentage of women ultra rich got their money from divorce? Probably a lot. I mean. You think 90? No, I don't know about 90. 99? <laughs> I was going the other way. I don't I think it's that. You're, yeah. you're, you're going close to a hundred. I think the I mean, you're not giving rich. women any credit. It's not that I'm get, not giving them any credit. I think the l- listen, no doubt about it. There's a shitload of women that have made millions, if not billions, of dollars on their own. But I think if you looked at the bulk, <laughs> I just picture, I just picture you coming home with your Spotify deal, just like hide it from your wife for as long as you can. <laughs> Yeah. Ah, you know, they gave me about 50 Gs, 60. <laughs> <laughs> she gets a, a newsletter. Hey, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, uh, I mean, Tiger Woods got fucking hammered. He did get hammered. Hammered. Yeah. But Jeff Bezos hammered. Yeah. Bill but, Gates going to get hammered. He's donating to a new foundation called Melinda Gates. The Bill Gates one is weird, right? Because you know there's like some stories attached to that one. Yeah. The, the Jeff Bezos one is pretty straightforward. Right, he had an affair with a smoking hot woman. Yeah, and you kind of get it. 
You know, you see it, you're like, well, maybe the thrill was gone, their relationship, and they had kids together, and they had a long relationship, and then all of a sudden he meets this fucking firecracker yeah. of a woman. Yeah. Woo! And yeah, I mean, you, nobody nobody will ever convince me that the most powerful thing in the world is not a woman's puss-puss. It's well, number one. it's a woman's whole essence, right? An attractive woman. Like I've said this before, but an attractive woman with an unattractive man who's never experienced the love of an attractive woman, they have an insane amount of influence. It's a drug. Right. When you're around like some ultra woman like that, and you're like, you've never experienced, she's got a little waist and a big ass and big tits and a perfect face, you're like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. and she's nice to you, yeah. and she, she's, she touches you, and she thinks you're cute, and she, and you know, they got that that whole thing that sexual energy that kind of seductive sexual energy yes yeah and you, every cell in your body watch is it. like that that's like a steak get that hungry yeah get that yeah and they go they do work hard they have to work in their body they have to have sex yes. with someone they don't love that's a good that's point a, that's a good they, point there's a lot of maintenance that goes into that it's a business decision they got to shoo away all the other uh, hose. Gold digger hose trying yeah. to get there. Hell Some yeah. Some low rent hose trying to take your spot. Fuck that. That's why nobody hates whores more than gold diggers. Yes. I've been sucking on this stale dick for years. You yeah. think you're going to come along and suck it for $2,000? Yeah. I've been working on the long game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The long game. The long game is billions. Yes. Yes. It's a job, man. Of course it's, it's a job. job. That maintenance, that type of. Uh, that's She fucks that guy. She's going to work. She's clocking yeah. in. Yeah, like if some hot potato is of uh, fucking Rupert Murdoch or someone like that, like that's a job. That's a job, that's dude. That's a job. I mean, uh, one of my favorite, I posted every Valentine's Day, is uh, Anna Nicole Smith with Oh, that. yes! <laughs> J. Howard Marshall. True love. Yeah. yeah, J. Howard Marshall. Yeah, I had a whole bit about the two of them together. <laughs> People were like, she, oh, that poor man. She's just using it for his money. I'm like, that guy made a billion dollars from scratch. Yeah. You don't think he knows? He knows exactly what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he knows. He, he knows, knows what's going dude. on. That guy's smart. Yeah, I mean, he was like 90-something. Yeah. And uh, he knows. Yeah, he's a was an oil tycoon, right? Wasn't he? I don't remember how he made his money, but uh, it was a, the. Best. I know how he spent it. Well, I know how she spent it. Yeah. <laughs> well, she didn't live long. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, th there was probably something to that. Like, there was probably some sadness and some drug abuse that was connected to living your life like that. I think there was drug. I think she was doing drugs. Yeah, yeah. I think she was doing those pills. Man, the pills. Yeah, I Fucking don't know why. Pills. I mean, uh, I mean, you got, you made it. Yeah. You got all that money, you made it. Yeah, but there's sadness involved in like a hollow life. The thing about But isn't when, there sadness in all of our lives? Like isn't uh, it just better to have a guy's money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Maybe she read it wrong, you know? It's like, "Hey, I'm sad too, but I don't have this I, you know, well, I would have sucked that guy's dick for his money. Maybe, right? I would have. Depends yeah. on how much money he's willing to give you. I don't, if uh, fucking for me give what? 700 million. Seven hundred million. You suck a cock. Of course. Are you joking? How many cocks would you suck for seven hundred million? A million of them. A million. I don't give cocks? a fuck. Yeah, I don't Mil give a you shit. You know how many cocks? A million would take so many. It's three hundred sixty-five days in a year. How many dicks are you gonna suck in a day? How many, and how many years? Well, for how? I mean, if you give me seven hundred mil, dude, I, I think I think you'd be better off with like one million. I think you can get that on your own. I'm going for it. Well, tell me what the details are. Brian Callen said something to me once, and it's really important. Yeah. It's, it's just true. He goes, "All you want is to be able to go to a restaurant." and buy whatever you want to eat and not think about it. He goes, that's real money. He goes, yeah. everything else is bullshit. He goes, Depends you get used to your house. Though. I go into McDonald's and I feel that way. So. 
<laughs> I mean, he needs to get specific. He means not worry about the bill. Like, right. Can I pay for this? Right. You know, you know, a good bill to restaurants, a couple hundred bucks. But if you right. can go to a restaurant and not think about it, just spend, and give a nice tip and feel good, yeah. that's not that hard if you live in, in your means and you're successful. That That's real success. Yeah. Be able to like send your kids to college, to be able to pay your mortgage. Everything else is kind of bullshit. I mean, I joke around, but I agree with you. I think um, money's great, but I do think in this country it's kind of a disease where people think about it too much, where it's like the real, like when I ha- almost thought I was going to die when I got shot that one time, I was like, you think about the people you love, you think about your life. It's like a job's a job. I mean, if it was fun, they, would call, they wouldn't call it work. Right. It's like there's very few of us who get to do the things we love, and even we, and we're not happy all the time. It's like the, nobody's right. happy on this planet. It's like find yourself friends, find yourself life, find things you enjoy doing. It's not all about money. Like to be happy is not about getting all the money in the world. No, it's well, it's, li- it's cliche, but it's true. It is true. Yeah, it is true. Life is complicated. What's really important is friends, friends and loved ones, family and loved ones. Or everything. It's the only true Having, currency. Yeah. Dude, when I have like a cookout at my house and I have people over that I love and we're having a glass of wine and laughing and hanging out by the pool and just putting your feet up and just telling stories and just laughing, it doesn't get any better. It's number one. It's everything. Number it's one. It's a friendship and love and family is everything. Yeah. It's really like if you don't have that, that's why I was talking about like these comics that are islands. You know, that all want it to be all about them. I and know they, exactly they never, what you're talking about. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. There's these guys, they, they never develop these tight bonds with other people where they can be vulnerable, they could be friendly and, and, and supportive and have, like, real love between other comics and other, other peers. They're sad, fucking angry, bitter, twisted people. And it's so hard to see, man. I think also they don't want to um, push themselves out of their comfort zone and be insecure. Yeah. Be around somebody who's bigger. Be around somebody who's more successful. You know, you have to be humble and, you know, you you have have to challenge yourself to be around new experiences and new people. You have to be open to looking at these other individuals as what they are and not comparing them to you. You know, when you work with someone, like when I work with Chappelle, for instance, like Chappelle has this new bit that he's doing about the Me Too movement that is so goddamn good that it's it's like, it's one of those movements, it's one of those bits, rather, where you, you there's an instinct to get jealous. Like, why didn't I think of that one? God damn it. It's, and he's... I felt that way about your hyena bit, because I love hyenas. <laughs> I was like, fuck, that is so good, man. This a female-run is... world. We have evidence of it. Yeah, it's and real. It's fucked. It's fucked. It's a it's fucking fucked. hilarious bit. Man. I love thank it. You, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But there's there's these moments where you you go, but instead of that, I just appreciate him first of all as a person. Dave is a beautiful person. He is one of the genuinely nicest, kindest people I've ever met in my life, and with everybody, he's just sweet and kind. And when he's doing that bit. I just appreciate that I'm watching a rare gem. I'm watching a rare thing. I'm like, wow, that's my friend up there. Like, look at him go. Look at him go. Look at him go. And look at crying, laughing. I was watching him at the MGM, and it was me and uh, my business manager, Matt, and who's also family. I've been with him for 25 years or something like that. And we're, la- we're laughing like, ah, oh, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. And I'm just thinking, God, how beautiful is this? It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see someone who's like, you know, Dave is arguably the greatest of all time. Yeah. He's in that running. For sure. You know? I mean, when he dies, they're going to put him right there with Pryor. 
They're going to put him right there with all those guys. For sure. And to hands be, down. Hands down. And to watch him and to he's just like, you can compare yourself and you can go, fuck, why isn't that me? Why am I not? But man, don't. Don't. Just do your best. Right. Do your best and enjoy what you're seeing there. And right. just enjoy that. It's magic. It's an evolved way and you have to be secure to do that. It's hard to be secure, yeah. man. It's, it requires effort and work. You can't just be secure. You can't just be comfortable with things. You got to work at it. It's like everything else in life. You know, you got to work at being nice. I've worked hard at being nice. And when I got into comedy in my early 20s and when I was 21, I was not nice. I was coming from a competitive fighting background. Right. And I, it was beneficial for me to be mean. Like I, there was a certain amount of meanness that you had to have to go out and attack somebody. You right. know, it's, like, it's like that's what it is. You have to. You're trying to hurt somebody. Right. There's meanness, and to shift over to comedy and to realize like you gotta let that go, like abandon that. But then I was like, well, how do I fucking placate these demons inside me? And then I'm like, oh, you just do it with hard work. Right. Just figure out just hard exercise this brutal exercise get exercise those demons out right and then you could be nice and it's better for everybody it's better for you it's better for the people you meet it's better for everybody right it can be done right it's a lot of people don't do it i mean you are a nice guy i try really hard yeah you're a nice guy it's like comics talk about that it's like and when you hear, see all these articles and stuff it's like, those people don't know you at all you know i mean like as a person you're a good dude you're like a nice guy you help a lot of people out pretty reasonable when you sit down and speak to you you know i try real yeah. hard thank you i try real hard i work at it i really do work at it you can cherry pick from anybody and find moments when they weren't nice and you can definitely find some from me but i try i try real hard is that something that comes with success though or like because it helps. i can see why guys get bitter when they don't yes like when you miss a boat or you know a lot of times success isn't even uh, uh, sometimes it's the luck of a person being somewhere at the right time for sure sometimes failure is just the person was unlucky and that they were at the wrong time like there's they, that but there's know, also sometimes by cultural forces for sure for sure there's and also it, times where some time some, some, <clears throat> excuse me when sometimes people get some success and then they they get either lazy or they get self-indulgent self-indulgent is really common you know, it's a, that's a fucking hard one to avoid. You got to avoid that one, the self-indulgent one, because you just, you want to pat yourself on the back and you want to, you want to like, look at, like, look at all the things, I, but you you can't. There's no benefit in that. It's a, it's the devil's trick. Right. It really is. I guess you got to remind yourself that we're not, none of us are in control. Nature is. Nature so that is. That keeps everybody humble. Well, you've been shot. Yeah. You know, you, you were, I mean, you talked about it before on the yeah. podcast. And you know, anybody who knows you who's listening to you talk about it, like you got close to death. And I think when someone has been close to death, they have more of an appreciation if you can recapture the way you felt at that moment. I can, yeah. Yeah. It, it changed everything. For It's like changes your perspective on everything, on everything and it, it changes what you view as valuable. Mm -hmm. You just, uh, freedom, time, hard laughs, like yeah. you said, loving people. It, yeah. it really, those things... It's cliche and it sounds stupid, but I'll tell you what, it's true. It's 100% true. Because when you're in that moment, you ain't going to be thinking about your bank account. No, no, no. <laughs> you're going to be thinking about survival. And, you, and you know, it's just so easy to get, you know, the human brain is not designed for the modern world. The human brain evolved trying to run away from predators and trying to find food. And it's, it's, it, it requires problems. The human brain looks for problems. It looks for conflict. 
it looks for all these things and and you know ego exists because you want your genes to pass on it's the only way that the human race is successful you have to propagate you have to you have to you have to figure out a way to pass your genes and the way that the body has figured out a way to enforce that is a little bit of a trap and that's the ego the mm -hmm. ego part of the thing is you feeling so good about yourself that you think you should be passed on mm -hmm. you know that you think you, your genes should keep going that you should be the one that gets the girl yeah you know it's the it makes us and it breaks it's like the same thing yeah. that takes you down is the thing that makes you there's no way out of here <laughs> <laughs> there's no way out of here it is it's insanely complicated it's a, and it's a puzzle that you have to constantly invest time in solving. Right. You never think you got it nailed. That's the thing. You have to constantly check yourself and check it and yeah. push yourself. And it's um, and that's why I have such a problem, I think we all do, with people who make these big uh, like categorical statements like, this is the answer. And like that's what all these people do on Twitter now. That's what all these media headlines and articles are about. This is what it is. Yeah. This is who Joe Rogan is. You're like, are you fucking... Right. I mean, that's nobody's that. Nothing is that. Right. Nothing's like defined like that, except for like math. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Can't yes. say people are changing every minute. Things are dynamic. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Everyone's like claiming to have ownership of what things are, mm -hmm. and uh, I, I can't believe pe more people aren't more skeptical of people who want to be out there. I think they're being more skeptical of it now than ever because I think overall. We've never really had anything like social media before where you get to see people virtue signal and get to see people put out this sort of um, these words and these messages designed to get people to like them, designed to get people to literally hit that like button or hit that retweet button. I mean, that's what all – is he ratioed? Right. Did that tweet get ratioed? Right. And people get obsessed with that stuff. We're all we're, – like it's like that's the biggest driving force now for the generations coming up, which is scary. Yeah. It's like because you create a version of yourself that's not true. And uh, it, it's almost like you're in entertainment business when you're not. But everyone's in entertainment business, which is scary because I've met a lot of people in entertainment business and they're fucking horrible people. It's not so, a good business good. to develop your – you know your emotional intelligence in it's, it's such a tricky business and the business is so disingenuous from top to bottom you know from executives to casting directors to actors to you know everything to the press it's all of it is just it's not about finding truth and being compassionate it's about bullshit and celebrating people for all the weirdest reasons right a look or yeah you know, whatever it may be. Whatever it is, yeah. It's the opposite of trying to find from truth. Actually, I think if there's an opposite of searching for <clears throat> truth or honesty, it, it's entertainment. Yeah, but also sometimes not. Like, sometimes entertainment is, like, pure honesty. Like, sometimes, it, like, you, you'll meet someone who's, like, a pure artist, and you have this, like, oh, okay. Well, when they do that, they're never thinking about reconciling themselves with the marketplace. No. It's just they create something so incredible the marketplace comes to it because we're all watching something that's incredible art. My friend who's my best example of that is Gary Clark Jr. Gary Clark Jr. Do you know Gary Clark no. Jr.? He's one of the greatest guitarists who's ever lived. And that motherfucker doesn't give a shit about fame. He doesn't give a fuck. I mean, like, genuinely doesn't think about it at all. When you talk to him, he's all just talking about his music. He's just talking about, like, creating and doing this and, and changing that. And, and he's, like, so soft-spoken and he doesn't want attention at all. And then when that guy gets on the guitar, he's magical, 
magical, man. Magical. He's so good. It's He's so, so good. It's ironic that it's just weird that like that's not the most famous stuff. Yeah, he's pretty fucking famous. He played in front of 20,000 people. Well, that's he's famous. Jamie, you saw him last night, right? How good is that motherfucker? He's so good. Do you think if he was like like, uh, Rolling Stones known, it would kind of ruin that in him? I don't know. He doesn't give a fuck about it. It's not going to happen. He doesn't want to. Right. He doesn't care. Right. He, like, genuinely doesn't care. Right. He makes plenty of money. Right. He's got a beautiful wife and a happy family and everything That's the best. That's him last night. Oh, so, yeah, he's not... That was in uh, Austin last night. Mm-hmm. God damn, look at all those people. That's a lot of people. That can't just be 20,000 people. That looks like a lot more. Mm. It was pretty spread out. There's people yeah. sitting down and shit. Yeah, but how many people is that? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a fuckload. It's a lot. It's yeah. the most I've seen in an area in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fuckload of people. But he's just like, he's a real artist. And when you are around a real artist, you watch a real artist perform. It comes through like we saw him. Jamie and I saw him at Antone's in uh, in Austin. Was like how many people were in that audience? One hundred fifty. That was yeah, way 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 less. Yeah, that was in the early days of the pandemic, mm-hmm. where everybody caught the cooties that night. Mm-hmm. Oh, everybody got it. Yeah, when yeah. It, someone someone had it, and uh, they were in the green room, yeah. and they uh, they spread it around to everybody. You didn't get it though, right? No, you got that fucking tiger blood. I do a lot of things to avoid it, <laughs> you know. Between all the vitamins I take and sauna use and all the wild shit that I do and taking peptides and all that stuff, yeah. I've, I've ducked it. Which, for the record, is not officially what takes it away. What? Saunas. Doesn't take it away? Like, sauna, like officially, uh, taking a sauna is not going to prevent you from getting it. I don't know You may what, have the blood type or something that doesn't get it. Or they There's think. a thing, there's a, there's a study that actually just came out about virals, uh, viral infections, rather, mm-hmm. and uh, sauna use. I'll send this to you. Do you saw it alone, or do you, do you have? <laughs> Nobody's gonna go in yeah. there with me. Because the Swedes, you go up there, the whole family is there, naked. I mean, I'll go in occasionally with my wife, but I like to deep breathe, and it gets uncomfortable if right. someone's in the room with me. I, I I take these big, long, slow, deep breaths, and then I let it out. It's like here, I'll find this thing. The um, the article was about sauna linked to longer life, and sauna linked to here. I'll fucking find this thing here. The Scandinavians been doing it for how long? Many years. There's got to be something to it, right? Yeah. Here, I'll send it to you, Jamie. Well, this the um, uh, in Finland, they did a study where they linked it to a 40% decrease in all-cause mortality. 175 degrees for 20 minutes, four times a week. 40% decrease in strokes, cancer, heart attack, everything. Turning up the heat on COVID nineteen, heat as a therapeutic intervention, and this is a, a this is a, a a medical paper that was published, and the whole idea is about when your body gets sick, when you get um, a, a, a viral infection, one of the things that happens is you get a fever, and what the fever is is your body trying to kill the virus, mm-hmm. and the way your body can kill the virus yeah, is, yep. is to make sure that your body temperature is so hot the virus can't survive it. So that makes sense with the sauna, right? right. So I do that right. on purpose, right? So I'm getting to 200 degrees sometimes, four days a week at least. Dude, if you want to beat the virus, move to Phoenix. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just lay, on, those people lay on the sidewalk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's a, it's a like you have to get isolated, and I think um, the the thing that's so beneficial about the sauna is that you're trapped in this room and you 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 can't survive. 
at 195 degrees for very long. You can only do it for 25 minutes or whatever it is. And in doing that, the heat shock proteins that your body produces create all these anti-inflammatory properties, but also... It just kills things. Right, right, right. Because of the heat, because yeah. of the level of the heat, right. You're fucking sweating like crazy in and there. And probably ice baths do the same thing because of the temperature, right? Like everything is... I would imagine there's yeah. some benefit there. I know there's some benefit with cold shock proteins that reduce inflammation, but I don't know if it, it works the same way with viruses. Right. But that, Did you see that paper that I sent you? Uh, I didn't get a link, but I found it too. I just sent it to you. Didn't did it come I through? Just, I just got it. Oh, okay. I have the same I'm looking at anyway. <clears throat> yeah, so there's there's people that are considering all sorts of different things, and this is one of them, turning up the heat on COVID-19. Heat as a therapeutic intervention. And so this is, uh, this is a, a peer-reviewed paper, I believe, and it's all about um, the idea of – stop right there. Um, SARS-CoV-2 are sensitive to heat and destroyed by temperatures tolerable to humans. All mammals use fever to deal with infections, and heat has long been used throughout human history in the form of hot springs, saunas. I don't know what a hammam. Hammams? Steam rooms, sweat lodges. Uh, The paper reviews the evidence for using heat to treat and prevent viral infections and discuss potential cellular, physiological, and psychological mechanisms of action. In the initial phase of infection, heat is applied to the upper airwaves and it can support the immune system's first line of defense by supporting myco, muco, I guess that's mucus, muco, M-U-C-O, mucociliary clearance and inhibiting or deactivating virons well, where they first lodge. This may be further enhanced by the inhalation of steam containing essential oils with antiviral uh, mucolic, mucolic, mucolytic, 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 and antilytic. They make medical An- words. Anxiolytic They make properties. it so hard, the words. Heat applied to the whole body can further support the immune system's second line of defense by mimicking fever and activating innate and acquired immune defenses and building physiological resilience. I guarantee it has something to do with it, man. I know so many fucking people around me that have gotten COVID mm-hmm. while I didn't get it. I'm not saying it's 100% the reason why, because I think it's a combination of a lot of other things. I take a shitload of vitamins. Right. And there's a lot of other things that I do. I make sure I get rest, and I exercise all the time, a lot of cardiovascular exercise, weightlifting, all that stuff. Right, you're a healthy guy. But I think the sauna, it has an effect, man. There's no way it doesn't. It makes you feel great. Yeah, it's definitely good for you. They know that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like they know that it is good for you, whether you're trying to fight a, fight a virus or not, or avoid a virus, or it's good for you. Yeah, and there's uh, there has been studies about decrease in viral infections from people that use sauna. I think they showed a fifty percent decrease in pe- people that use saunas on a regular basis are fifty percent less likely. I forget that study though. I forget where that study came from. But if it was true though, then they're like Sweden wouldn't have had a problem with COVID because they all sauna. Do they all? It's like a- I doubt they all. A lot of them sauna. I bet a lot of them do. Yeah. What does that mean? A lot of Americans play football. I don't play football. That's you know true. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. what is all? Like you're known for hot dogs in America. How many yeah. people eat hot dogs here? I'm never, I haven't had a hot dog in years. You're the, the exception. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like- People eat hot, a lot of right. people eat hot dogs. But if, oh, Americans are known for, hot dogs cured COVID. <laughs> no Americans would have hot dogs. There's right. fucking millions of Americans that go years without hot dogs. I'd be curious, what? how many Swedes take sauna? That's a good question. Yeah. It doesn't say, but they have a, a capita, one per household. 
I mean, that's a lot, what? dude. Yeah, I told you. Right, but I have one in my household. My fucking kids never go in there. That's true. While it's partially cellular, it's also responsible because of the weather. Finnish winters are the low of 35 degrees Celsius. Yikes. It's a f- cultural thing for them. They go yeah. in the whole family. Mm. Grandma's titties are there. Like everyone titties. sees each other as naked. You Whoa. know, it's like yeah. they would. When I would go perform there, when I started, like uh, early in my comedy career, I would go there and perform, and uh, they would invite me into the sun. And I, I just wasn't comfortable enough to be naked with them. Yeah, why yeah. they have to be naked? They can't wear underwear. The they fucking just, weirdos. They're cool with it. Like they're just cool. They with just it. check out cocks. They just <laughs> check out cock. They're just different. They like saunas. They drink, dude. They're like gremlins. The finish. Yeah. They're nice and cute and cuddly during the day. They're shy. They don't make eye contact. They're very nice. And then they drink and they become fucking assholes. Really? Yeah. They really. Their personalities change like crazy. Like dude. in what way? They just become like caustic and kind of like aggressive. Really? Yeah. To yeah. you or to everybody? To me, to everybody. They become animals. Yeah, they're like gremlins. You pour a little fucking liquor on them, they change. Wow. <laughs> it's wild, dude. They, uh, I don't think they have... I remember reading somewhere that Northern Europeans struggle more with alcohol and don't have as good a tolerance as Southern Europeans because Southern Europeans have had alcohol for a lot longer, similar to the Asians who don't do great with it either, Native Americans. There's some enzyme or some shit mm. that like Southern Europeans have, and that's why we have less of an incidence of alcoholism than the Northern Europeans who can't handle their liquor because they're fucking animals. I would think that it's also <laughs> because of like the depression that comes from the lack of sunshine. That, and... They have the highest suicide rate. Highest really? suicide rates in um, one of those countries, Norway, oh. Sweden. Really? Yeah, they off themselves. Ooh. Yeah, because it's just dark all the time. Fuck that. Well, that's the direct correlation between the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah. High suicide rate yeah. up there. Yep. Also Alaska. high heroin use. Yeah. 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 Fuck. That's taking over the whole country, though. Uh, heroin. It's big. Mm. Heroin. And you know what's interesting? It kind of got big when we got control of Afghanistan. That's means a coincidence. It made it cheaper. Don't be an asshole. Poppy seeds got total cheaper. Total coincidence. Total just coincidence. because the uh, American military was guarding the poppy fields on TV. Did you ever see that video? No. Geraldo Rivera interviewing a general while the general was standing in front of, like, literally, you're looking at troops guarding poppy fields. Yeah, it, that's, yeah, it's obvious. It's like, what? And then it becomes, like, the most popular drug in the suburbs in America. It's, weird. like, affordable. It's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that one's kind of weird. That one's kind of fucking obvious. It's not just obvious. It's, yeah. It goes all the way back to the Vietnam War. Yeah. There it is. <clears throat> so, Geraldo, play some of this because it's kind of hilarious. Fighting the opium trade. What? Here. Uh, the Taliban lend the farmers the money. They are indebted to the Taliban. They have to grow the opium. Now the Marines in their success are in a sense a victim of their success because now the population is, uh, you know, they have these opium fields and we are tolerating it. We are tolerating the cultivation of the opium because we know that if we were to destroy it now, the population would turn against the Marines and it would be a real security risk. Let me introduce Lieutenant Colonel Brian Christmas. What a spin. Yeah. Listen to the spin. The 3rd Battalion, 6th Marines, uh, really a, a wonderful group of uh, Marines here. Uh, I wonderful know group of heroin guards. This, yeah. Uh, this contradiction, the fact that uh, here you have one of the best fighting forces in the world ever mounted, uh, and in a sense, uh, you're watching as uh, this opium is being grown. I know it, <laughs> it grinds at your gut. Uh, how, how do you know it grinds at his gut? Yeah, yeah. Listen. Well, uh, frankly, this is a part of their culture. So uh, while it might grind in my gut, it, it's what they do. 
And they provide us with a kickback when we sell. You ever see when Sturgill Simpson got on Saturday Night Live and he sang, he sang a song that talked about it? Talked about uh, protecting the heroin trade. No, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. They probably got a little, they got a piece of that. No? We'll protect, you know, just give us a little. Something uh, is being exchanged. Yeah. People are making money. Who are those people? I don't know, but there's obviously a lot of money in heroin. And They're not growing it for fun. No, and it's killing, like, suburban kids. Like, I have a, my wife's friend was, like, this nice kid, and, like, he died from a heroin overdose. And, like, the people who are dying from heroin overdoses now don't look like your stereotypical heroin user from like the 80s you know they look like just normal kids and they're in high school and they come from good families and for some reason they're doing fucking heroin well it's also very contradictory it's confusing because the real solution is probably legalization of everything across the board that's the, probably the real solution usage because, for sure because the problem is you have these cartels that are bringing this stuff into America legally, illegally rather. And they're also spiking everything with fentanyl because it's cheaper, so they cut things. And so these kids get a hold of people that are addicted. They get a hold of this fentanyl lace shit and have these fucking horrible overdoses. And the reason why they're overdosing is because it's illegal, because you don't know what the exact dosage is. Like people are gonna overdose from alcohol, they're gonna die from it. But if you buy, a bottle of this. How do you say that name? Lafroig. 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 It's very good, right? Very, very good. Peaty. If you're into smoky peaty, I love that well, stuff. Yeah, scotch, yeah. Um, you know what it is. You mm -hmm. one shot is one shot, right? It's not. It's not one shot with fentanyl in it. Right. It might kill you. These kids are getting a hold of this stuff. These people, I should say, it's not just kids. They're getting a hold of this stuff, and it's laced. Right. Why is it laced? It's laced because it's unregulated. Why is it un Why is it unregulated? Because it's illegal. Right. Why is it illegal? Because we have a fucking war on substances that doesn't make any sense. Right. We we have, it's a war on freedom essentially. Your freedom to do whatever you want with your body. Right. Right. No, it's uh you know, that's the uh, that's a well documented argument. I think Portugal, right? They mm -hmm. uh, legalize decriminalize everything. Decriminalize the usage of it, but it's still illegal to sell it. Right. Which seems like a pretty uh, reasonable way to handle it. Yeah. Like, okay, like if you're dealing with it, it's bad because we know that it's bad for people, but we can't criminalize the users of it. Those people are sick and they're addicted. Like, they're not committing a crime to anyone else. They're hurting themselves. It's a step in yeah. the right direction. Yeah. But why is it legal to sell? Like Carl Hart, I bring up way too often on the podcast, but I do it because I love him. Dr. Carl Hart, who's a professor at Columbia, he talks about how he likes heroin, he enjoys it, but he gets pure heroin. And he he sniffs it. Does he microdose it or he goes he full sniffs blown? Sniffs it. Wow. You have to talk to him about it. Yeah. But it's when you talk about his perspective, his his perspective is he was a uh, clinical researcher, and had this idea of drugs that drugs are terrible, terrible for you. But along the line, doing his research, he realized that the propaganda about what drugs are is very different than the actual drugs themselves. Interesting. And he likes drugs. Right. And he talks about, like, what, you can use drugs and, and be happy and successful. He's like, it's not the problem. The problem is a lack of education, a lack of understanding about the actual effects of these drugs, propaganda. I mean, uh, Freud used to sniff blow. 
just oh, to blow sure. minds. Just, yeah. Uh, Some weird fucking ideas, too. Yeah. So I, I don't, I'm pretty sure you said you haven't seen the show The Wire before. No. Oh, I, I've, yes. I've, I've never seen the whole. So there's a concept in like I was thinking about that. Three or four oh, called fucking phone it's Tim again. Dillon, actually. Is it? He that, was calling that yeah. twat. It's yeah. called, uh, they call this section of an area of town called Amsterdam, like Amsterdam, where what you're saying is allowed that the police blocked off a couple blocks they said it's free no no gangs allowed to fight in here they protected that area for drug users so i just was googling that because i thought i'd heard something about this where is this happening this is it's the fictional, show the fictional in baltimore oh, okay however there's a press release that came out from the state attorney in baltimore where they said they're no law it says in quotes today's america's or today america's war on drug users is over in the city of baltimore we leave behind a tough on crime prosecution and zero tolerance policing. They said down here they're going to stop prosecuting the following offenses. Whoa. Drug possession, attempted distribution of, what is seat controlled substances? Probably, is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, Parnophilia possession, prostitution, holla, trespassing, minor tra- uh, trespassing is a problem. You can't just have people trespassing in people's houses. Minor traffic offenses, great. Open containers, great. Rogue and vagabond. Probably just. Urinating and like. defecating in public. Maybe you should probably stop people from <laughs> shitting. Well, in it public. added that too, yeah, but the You're, rest of it is. You know, like, guys, feel free to shit on Main Street. It's wide open. Furthermore, during this past year, they have dismissed 1,423 pending cases considered eligible by COVID policies, quashed 1,415 warrants for aforementioned offenses pushed Governor Hogan to reduce the prison population, resulting in two executive orders of the early release of 2,000 people. So violent crime's down, property crime down. Uh, wow. It's successful, yeah. That's amazing. Violent crime down 20%, property crime down 36% during the same period of March 13th, 2020 to March 13th, 2021. That's amazing. Well, that's good, except... I'm I'm down with all those things except for shitting mm. in the street and breaking into people's houses. The data show that 911 calls about drug use, public intoxication, and sex work, a proxy for public concern, did not increase when following the policy. Rather, from March until December 2020, <clears throat> there was a 33% reduction in calls mentioning drugs and a 50% reduction in calls mentioning sex work. What? Who's calling and ratting <laughs> on people getting laid? Yeah. Fucking weirdos. You know, that was The Wire, dude. They, like, teach classes about that at Harvard. Like, it was an exceptional show. Yeah, I yeah. know it was a really good show, yeah. and I know a lot of people, Bourdain always raved about it. I just yeah. never got around to watching it. What he was mentioning was, like, yeah, the police in an episode decide, all right, this is how we're going to handle drugs, and they district. They, like, de facto district, uh, like, a block where they allow it to happen, and it works. Hmm. Like, so they go, like, okay, you can do that here. So they could they controlled it and like you couldn't do it outside of the de facto district that the cops created, um, and then it just like crime went down. Things were because they were like we're not going to stop this. People didn't, are going to get high. Didn't New York City recently decriminalize prostitution? I know they decri- uh, decriminalized gambling. I don't know about because they, they, really? they need the money. Yeah, gambling. They need the money. But did they make it legal? I think they made it legal. Like what kind of gambling? I think uh, uh, sports gambling. Oh. Uh, I think they did. Ever- I think they decriminalized gambling. I like that. And they taxed tax it. it. Yeah, tax it. Why man. not? Yeah, I don't know about prostitution. New York City sex workers rampant in open air prostitution market amid lax enforcement. I think it's not just lax enforcement. Google New York City decriminalizes prostitution. That girl has a very nice ass for a prostitute. <laughs> 
Uh, NYPD issues new guidance after repeal of walking while trans law. What is that? Walking while trans law. NYPD officers are told to no longer arrest people who appear to be loitering for prostitution in response to repeal of New York State's walking while trans law. Does that mean you're walking while you're transsexual? I I guess. So I thought they decriminalized prostitution. I think that was like an order. Oh, it says, effective immediately, officers may not arrest an individual for this charge. All other crimes related to prostitution under Article 230 in New York will remain in effect. Oh. Well, you know what, man? I think people should be able to do whatever they want to do. Hell I yeah. don't want anybody to be a prostitute, but why? I do. Get that money, girl. Why can't you if you want to? Yeah. It's a job. Who was I talking to where we were talking about people who fuck guys for money? Ari. Right. Yeah, yeah. Ari was saying that uh, there's girls that he knows that will have sex with. Wasn't Ari? No, it wasn't Ari. It wasn't Ari. It was some. I think I don't know. Anyway, they were saying that they know people who fuck a certain number of guys that they're kind of friendly with for money. For money, and that's how they make a living. And they only look if you if you can get a, a guy to pay you a thousand bucks or two thousand bucks every time you have sex, which is a lot of money, and you only have to do it a couple times a week. Hell yeah. yeah. Why is that so terrible? Uh, if you I, get to choose? I don't see why why it's bad at all. I can't think of one reason why it's bad at all. I really can't. You can fuck them for free. Yeah. Why can't you fuck them for money? If you're an adult making that decision, right. you legalize prostitution. You get rid of the trade. You, you get rid of the illegal like mm-hmm. uh, trade. You get rid of- Sex trafficking. I mean, it's going to happen anyway. It's the oldest profession. I mean, that's why I think ultimately wi- beautiful women are still around. Because it's evolutionary theory. If you think about it, smart chicks who are not that good looking, if there's a war or a famine, you can't do anything with like a sociology thesis, but you can sell (laughs) pussy. You can always if sell pussy. If there's a war of famine, at yeah. least they can. But maybe they can, they can innovate. Maybe they, they can, can figure out a way to cure the disease. Maybe, but maybe they you can could also develop weapons to you, fight off assholes. That's true, but you could also use sell your pussy to a warlord and survive. Mm, good point. So maybe that's why pretty women still are preferred by the male. I'm just talking as a scientist, well, which I am. How much horrible shit went down in Russia while Stalin was there and during World War II. I think about how many hot women come from Russia. Yeah, there you go. They survive by like selling the percentage. Pus-pus. If there was like a chart with the percentage of hot women from Russia, it would be very high. They're gorgeous, smoking, scary hot, ruin your whole life, women. Yeah, right? you know, it just reminded. I hate when people go, you know, those communists like communism's never been tried. I'm like, what the fuck? <sighs> what planet have you been living on? It's been tried a few times. <laughs> like, it hasn't been tried in its purest form. It's like nothing exists in its purest form. No, you can't even make a perfect circle. The problem mathematically, with communism is they they want. Ultimately, you want equality of outcome, and equality of outcome is very dangerous because there's not a quality of of effort. It's like you need incentives to get things done, right? And the way you incentivize someone to get things done is like you can get more if you work harder. You can do more. You can have more things, right? You can do better. You can survive. If and if you're lazy, you you're disincentivized. Like you don't get anything if you're lazy. Right. If you don't contribute, you don't. You have to contribute. Right. And if you if the problem with communism, it always in what communism that we're aware of is mostly communist dictatorships. They force you into these occupations. They tell you what you can and can't do. What's weird about China is that it's kind of a hybrid. Right. It is. 
they did that. They opened up the market to kind of, yeah, it's a hybrid. It they're, changed everything. Yeah, they're doing well because they have some elements of capitalism in there. It's also dangerous because it elevates the group over the individual. And once you start doing that, then an individual just becomes uh, a disposable person subject to the group. Yeah. When the group is really just a collection of individuals. So when you do that leap of logic, you're fucked. You're doing the individual has no rights. It's right. just this idea of the group or the nation or, you know, and the it entity. discourages creativity. Totally, that's the problem. It really discourages creativity, and creativity is so important for a culture to innovate, for a culture to like. One of the things about America is America is arguably the freest country in the world, but also arguably the most influential worldwide in terms of culture. Totally, and you know what? Uh, when it comes to like uh, music and fashion and stuff like that, you gotta you gotta give a shout out to African Americans, most popular culture in the world, for sure. That the most influential in terms of cultural, like I mean, music, art, comedy, fashion. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. all the way to the east. It's gone all the way to Japan. I mean, breakdancing in Japan. I mean, hip hop culture is like the most prevalent culture. Like black culture is everywhere out and of it, pressure creates diamonds it's crazy dude like a, wow yeah like a oppressed minority mm -hmm. an enslaved population here in america in the west in the new world influenced the entire world with it's also wild if you think about how many of the most influential artists that are african-americans came out of oppressive environments yeah came out of bad neighborhoods came out of gang infested neighborhoods Almost all of the best hip hop. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and if you projects, like, Joe, uh, Joe DiMaggio said, you know, there's rich people don't make uh, make the big leagues. They, mm. you know, you just can't be rich and make the big leagues. I mean, it goes for sports, it goes for everything. I mean, you, there's no very. I mean, Bill Lane Beer and basketball is an exception. He came from a wealthy family, but ninety nine point nine percent of guys that make it to the NBA all come from poor backgrounds because it gives them that drive. It's really and prevalent that's why fighting. we need poverty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can't have a war on poverty because then you have a war on greatness because that makes people great. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, Take you, that, you, AOC. You can't say that, but it's, it's kind of true. true. Yeah. I mean, were you, you born you were born rich? No. Yeah. Look no. at what you became. If you, were, if you were born rich, you wouldn't be motivated to do any of this shit. You'd be sitting around. You'd be a DJ like the rest I of them. I wonder. You'd just be a DJ with Michael Douglas's son doing drugs. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't notice like all celebrity sons just become DJs oh, or something? Oh, it's so dangerous. <laughs> and, and drugs. Tom Hanks' kid's a rapper. I love that kid. Is he? Chet Hanks is one like of my him? favorite. I love him. Really? I, be, I feel like people look at him the wrong way. I feel like in this era of like being a, like a celebrity online and like creating your own thing, I think he's like, he's doing better than the other son who looks like Tom Hanks. Because this kid doesn't look like either. He doesn't look like Rita Wilson or Tom Hanks. Does he, he look was, like the milkman? He looks like he was created in a lab. Yeah, oh, he looks really? like, yeah, like uh, everyone from the Mickey Mouse Club. I believe the Mickey Mouse Club, those, they, you never know, like you ever met, who's Justin Timberlake's father? We don't know. Never I seen him. I don't know if he has a Exactly, because his fucking mother is... Is Madonna? They took the they took DNA from Madonna. They mixed it with the Bee Gees kids, all three of them, <laughs> and they fucking made that kid. They're all made. Uh, Christina Aguilera, a little fucking Hispanic girl from Pennsylvania, can sing like Aretha Franklin. How's that possible? Hmm. Without that, without eugenics, science, science, maybe. Shaquille O'Neal didn't have a pops. Who, where's I his think dad? He met his dad later in life. That's the story. 
Yeah. But you tell me a seven-foot guy that can move that fast. LeBron James, where's his dad? Nobody knows. These people are fucking <laughs> engineers. I'm telling you. I think they know. They don't know. LeBron James' dad. Look at him. He has no father. He's just his mom. I'm telling you, the government got involved to make these people, like, you know, the way the Russians used to make athletes? We're fucking doing Let that. me ask you this. What do you think about this whole Britney Spears thing and the conservatorship? Conservatorship. Right. Her, uh, Her dad gets to control, like, what she spends money on. I would do the same thing if I fucking dumped just... I would, if I was her dad and I watched my daughter cheat on Justin Timberlake to marry Kevin Federline, <laughs> I'd lock that pussy up too and say, girl, you're making bad decisions and you're not capable of thinking on your own. But why can't a grown adult just be crazy? Like, no one's, like, what if someone came along and said to Cat Williams, hey, you're just fighting 17-year-olds and you're doing coke and screaming at the audience. You can't, this is not good anymore. We're gonna have to. Uh, we're, we're gonna have to work work this out. Like you're gonna you're gonna have to have a conservatorship. We'd be like, what? Let him go. Yeah. No, you can free. never have that. Right. You can never have uh, like an African American man who's crazy who gets controlled by his parents. Yeah. Who who is an entertainer? Well, Michael Michael Jackson had a little bit of that, but his, not when he was an adult. No, when he was a, a child. Yeah. But that arguably fucked him up beyond repair. He controlled some children. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But the. Like the the thing with Britney Spears is that she's a girl, she's a woman, right? And we're saying she's crazy, she can't handle things. So let her dad take care of things. Can't could do that you, anymore. Could you imagine that if that was a male? Crazy. But you, imagine if you had a dad and your dad said, "Giannis, you have to keep performing in Vegas, and I get whatever I get, one hundred and fifty a month." I'm fist fighting him. Yeah. Yeah. You're. It's. She's an adult now. They gotta revoke that. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy that it exists and that it still exists, and like the whole family's in on it too. It's a, it's real nefarious. I think the sister, like, is stealing her songs and performing them. Like Gallagher's brother, she's what? upset about. Yep, look that one up. It's Britney too. It's her. Her name's Jamie too. The father's name is Jamie, and the sister's name is Jamie, because really? it's some weird. I'm telling you, the government's involved, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you that Mickey Mouse could Ryan Gosling with the fucking kids Canadian, dude. And he's in the Mickey Mouse Club. No father. We don't know about his family. <laughs> I'm telling you, they made them in labs, and then they become mega stars. All of them. Well, Disney's a factory for mega factory, stars. dude. But you don't think the government, CIA, is involved in that? Project Mickey Mouse. Maybe. I'm telling you. Maybe someone needs to write a book about that. I, I'm working on it. <laughs> dude, think about it. Justin Timberlake. He can dance. It's just a video of Britney. Looking annoyed at Jamie Lynn singing her song is going viral amid their drama. And she even mentioned it. She mentioned it like my sister singing yeah. my songs. Like, did you see that meltdown she held on Instagram where she cursed them all out and she's saying fucking and motherfucker? Really? Yeah. So I quit. I don't like that my sister showed up at an award show and performed my songs to remixes. My so called support system hurt me. Yeah, man, the whole thing is weird. Dude. Like, I don't think it would happen if it wasn't a woman. I don't think you would be able to control a man like that. That's what's fucked about this. Is like, we're saying that she's helpless, but she's a grown adult. Isn't she like 36 years old or yeah, something? Closer to 40, I think, yeah. Why are they letting this happen? I don't understand it. Don't know. Is it California? Is it a California court that did this? I don't know. I don't know. But I feel like, yeah, it's an odd thing. Maybe the government knows she knows something and they're keeping her. <laughs> 
I mean, dude, think about Justin Timberlake. He can sing. He can dance. He's yeah. good looking. He can, he can act. act. He's a scratch golfer. He's Is good he? at basketball. He's a scratch golfer. Really? How many dudes you know who can do that many things that great? He's a great. He can sing. He's he's actually like a good artist. He can play music. He learned taught himself how to play uh, instruments. He's handsome. He's a good, funny actor. He can do comedy. Remember that, like, dick in a box shit? Yes. I mean, the dude has too much talent to be human. He's a white Jamie Foxx. Dude, he's a white Jamie Foxx. Where's his father, Jamie (laughs) (laughs) Foxx? Jamie Foxx might be the most talented guy in all of His talent is, is hard to even fathom. It's unfathomable. He can sing. He does... Amazingly accurate impressions. Crazy. He does stand-up comedy. He can act. He can do everything. Yeah. He can do everything. It's he's cr- gonna play Mike Tyson in a movie, and he's getting jacked. And he'll do it. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. He's jacked. Right. He's getting huge. His um, when he did uh, when he played Ray Charles, it was like amazing, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Well, his voice is insane. Yeah. I mean, he's had hit songs. Yes. Like, hit songs. Right. Yeah. Like he could literally do anything he wants. Yeah. There's some people who are just born with like a unnatural talent that only leads to one place, CIA. <laughs> Dude, we're three hours in, believe it or not. Right on. This is a fun. Thanks fun for having as me. Fun. Thank well, you, my brother. No, thank Always. you. Thank you. Anytime, my friend. I appreciate it. Tell this. everybody all your different podcasts. You got like 34 different podcasts you're doing no, simultaneously. Just the important one is Long Days with Giannis Pappas. That's uh, my solo pod. It's going real well. Please check it out Long Days with Giannis Pappas. Where's it available? It's available on all uh, podcast apps, and uh, you can watch it on YouTube. What was that? YouTube, oh. yeah. It's on YouTube and all the podcast apps. And uh, the new sports uh, podcast uh, with Olivia, Olivia is um, called Unleashed. And you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts, too. But long days. Giannis Papas, ladies and gentlemen. Good night, everybody.